Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of A Journey Through Time and Stuff. My name is Aaron, and today I have a really cool episode with you. Um, I am bringing you uh, a conversation uh, between me and a friend of mine, well, compatriot, you know, fellow acquaintance. We've been around, grew up in the same town, kind of hung out in some of the same quasi-circles that encapsulated each other in the small town we grew up in. Uh, we didn't go to the same high school, went to the same middle school. You know, I pro- we probably haven't had, like, meaningful conversations other than maybe sharing a class together in middle school or something. But through the wonderful world of technology and broadcasting and everything that's available at our fingertips, um, he has also started a podcast and... He's a musician and a music producer, and um, I thought that it would be a really cool conversation to have between two people who do a lot of the same things um, and don't know each other. So welcome, Joe Smith, to the podcast. Hey, how's it going? Hey. Hey. I... Um, I felt like that inter- that 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 your intro was going really strong, and then I started to doubt myself in the middle of it, and I just trail. I had to just get out. I had to bail as <laughs> as fast as I could out of that intro. It was, I I don't know what's going on, man. How are it, you? It was strong. It was strong. I'm good. Um, I'm just up here in Alaska. Um, we finally got above zero <laughs> yeah. today. Oh, that's <laughs> so, so we're beautiful. supposed to, we're supposed to warm back up to right around refrigerator temperatures yeah 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 that's, yeah that's um, gonna be good i honestly don't miss the the below zero bit uh we had uh the cold snap we just had and i'm gonna quote cold snap got down into the low 20s yeah <sighs> well i went down to uh the oregon area in november one year and it's a different kind of cold though because 20 yeah, 20 degree yeah it's wet and it goes straight through everything to your bones yeah yeah or, i mean when it's the the worst time is like 36 degrees here cuz it's yeah. like 36 degrees and like 80% humidity oh you know and it's it, it is it just sucks it right to the bone especially with a little uh easterly wind or westerly wind blowing from the west to the east coming off of the water uh, right. Coming off the ocean, coming inland, tends to make it a little, a little humid and chilly. Yeah, we uh, we got like three inches of snow here. That's oh. it. It's gone now. I mean, it, it was oh. one night. It was the 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 night of Christmas. Uh, going into the day after Christmas, it snowed that weekend. Kept a little bit by Monday. It was basically gone. That's all we have. And you're in Portland, Port- right? Yeah, yeah. Portland oh, Central, nice. basically. Um, Central, well, or- oh, so North Portland. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in the 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 city limits of Portland. Not okay. like a, not like a, you know, there's Gresham, yeah. uh, Beaverton Hills, like all those outlying areas, Troutdale, all those places. But not right. I'm, in, I'm in Portland proper, um, nice. a, a, a suburb called St. John's in North Portland. Pretty nice. Oh, okay, pretty nice. And you're in Anchorage, right? Uh, I'm. Technically, I mean, in a technicality, I am in Anchorage, but I'm in Eagle River. Oh, okay. So, north side of it. That's right. Awesome. Yeah, I moved up to Anchorage from Soldatna because I ended up back there uh, in about, in in like the last few weeks of 2014. So, I've been up in the Anchorage area since were, I would say 2015. Were you born and raised in Soldatna? Uh, born, raised for two years, and I actually grew up in Milwaukee. Oh, shit. Really? 
Yeah, I grew. I went to elementary school in Milwaukee till second grade, and then second grade moved back to Soldotna. That's and, all right. So you were a Midwest kid for a while. Like, like your yeah. early introduction to childhood was Midwest childhood. Yeah. Yep. Growing up in apartment complexes, playing in the dirt. Oh yeah, that's know. that's fucking awesome. Um, being a Milwaukee, are you a Bucks fan still? Were you Not ever? Did you ever get indoctrinated into any of the Midwestern sports? Oh, fanaticism? I'm talking Milwaukee suburb of portland area oh milwaukee port oh shit i thought you were like milwaukee <laughs> wisconsin no oh, oh, no shit. forget so that oh so so you were oh you were fucking raised here in portland oh my god that completely changes my mind of everything okay all right i'm resetting milwaukee sub portland suburb yes i know exactly where you're right talking about. all right so this is where you okay that's fucking rad, Joe. Don't remember a lot, but um, and I I visit there every once in a while. Yeah. If you go further south from Portland, there's a small town. Oh, and I'm drawing a blank. Um, Malala. Yes. Oh, yeah. My mom's got a house down in Malala that my grandpa lives in, and so if I do go down to the area, oh, I usually wow. end up down there. Yeah, yeah. We've uh, I've had you know drive south, go to Salem, go to the tulip festivals or anything like that. Malala's a a, a pass through town have lunch there shit like that right, oh, right. Yeah. it was like the there's like a safeway or whatever mm-hmm. yeah a couple yeah. little restaurants couple burger joints yeah yeah it's that's, a great spot yeah man that's that's fucking neat that's neat um and then you went back up into moved into alaska up for back for middle school again is that what it was second grade no i've been pretty oh. much in the alaska area since oh, second so, grade shit why did i think oh only until second grade Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 So it wasn't like the longest stint, yeah, but no, no, I get um, it. I get it. Two, two. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know why I misheard all of that. I, I, I think I was picturing you being a Midwest kid, and I completely missed in my brain the actual ages that you said you were there, and I just pieced it together, trying to gain that. Oh man, I'm, I'm doing horrible at this whole uh, interviewing thing. Um, fuck. Well, I wanted you on the podcast. Because uh, I'm a I'm a fan of people uh, talking about their lives. I'm a fan of people um, doing something positive, trying to help, trying to make a difference. Uh, whether it be through you know talking about mental health or just talking to other people or making music for people, um, you're a musician as well. Um, you know, yep. so, I mean, shit, I have, I have memories of you playing in the fucking roller rink back in the day concerts <laughs> there, dude. Like, yeah, I, uh, you know, wa- you were in Waterhall, right? No, that was, um, that was Jason. Oh, that, okay. Okay. Who, who were you playing? I was, in, back I was in Omerta. Omerta. That's right. You were in Omerta, not Waterhall. Yeah. Okay. That's who it was. Jesse played for Waterhall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You were in Omerta with Chance. Yeah, and okay. and then some members from that Waterhall project ended up in Omerta. The, okay, that's where that's where all that happened. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, it was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, fucking drummer. So how how did you get into music? Let's let's do that. Let's do that conversation. How did I get into music? Uh parents parents were probably my first influential um side of music i remember grandma listening to like the oldie oldies when i would hang out with grandma but my parents who i was around a majority of the time like stepdad for instance like the eagles fleetwood mac Mm -hmm. um 
my mom would buy the Grammys compilation CDs that would come out. Oh yeah. And so I would just listen to all these top artist Grammy nominees or winners or all this stuff. So like already it felt like I was being introduced to like pop music very young. Were were they did your parents listen to music? Uh I I, I would say there's probably a, a a variation in ways that like you will listen to music or parents will listen to music with their kids. Like my my parents are musicians as well. Um big music heads. And so we would listen to music and they would like point things out that's happening musically in it. Did did your parents listen like was it an active style listening or was it kind of just no. always in the background? It was in it was a lot of car rides. Oh yeah. Like good like good music in the car was Cassette like tapes. where I just started like learning about music and then but it probably wasn't until the rise of the internet and downloading music that like my personal journey started to when like Napster was around and just mm. being on like the old 95 windows with this, like, you know, 10 minutes to download a song. Yeah. Okay. One song. Wow. So, so you were, you were on, you, you were, you were a surfer of the internet pre 2000 then. Right around there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I don't think, yeah. I don't think I actually was like actually on the internet until, uh, okay. So, no, no, I remember in fifth grade in school, like, yeah. oh, hey, the internet is around Alta Vista. Like, you go here to search for things. Um, but at home, I wasn't much of an internet peruser, I don't think, until probably 2000, middle school. Well, yeah, what it really was was, uh, you remember Josh Lansing? Oh, yeah, for sure. His Shout dad worked for the, what was it, ACS or something? And so Josh had, like, the best internet ever because his dad was a technician <laughs> yeah, or something like that and i would go over to lansing's house and yeah he he was the one who kind of introduced me to like napster and like we're downloading all these songs and i remember it taking like three minutes and it being just like the most crazy thing wow wow that's that, that's crazy that's early i mean computer games were obviously a thing that was that was happening in fun at that time okay so so you could download you start downloading music, get all this this kind of exposure to more. Um, what made you want to go from being listening to it to playing it? Um, well, in about fifth or sixth grade, I think it's fifth grade. I went to Readout Elementary, and that's mm -hmm. when they're like, "You want to play an instrument?" Oh, you band. know, school band, yeah. you know. And so I ended up on the trombone in fifth grade, and clarinet like, player. Nice. Yeah. And, but when I think about it now, I was like, man, I was like, what, fifth grade? I was like, well, what, nine, 10 years old. And here yeah. I am, like, reading music, elementary style music. And, like, now, like, I probably couldn't, you know? Right. Um, but in, in one form, I could in a way. But that's like, yeah, I learned how to play an instrument when I was in fifth grade. When I went into sixth grade, I told the band teacher, I want to play drums. Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to play percussion. Those guys look cool. Yeah. They look like they're, they look like they're having more fun than me. You know, I want to hit the drums because I knew what eventually what it would lead to is like getting behind a drum kit. And he was yeah. like, no. And I was like, well, I don't think this music thing's going to be for me, at least on your terms. Ah, uh, you yeah. know? And so I left like fifth grade band. My parents like, ah, whatever you want to do, you know? And it wasn't until middle school when I'm sitting here learning about punk music and, yeah. and Metallica and oh. like some earlier hip hop from the internet 
that I'm like, yeah, I still want to play drums. Well, yeah, because seventh grade, you know, we're in the same grade. So seventh grade was like, you know, disc mans were fucking like prevalent. Everybody was spinning their own, had their CDs and like, you just had like riding the bus to school or doing anything like that. Like people... They, they, you just had the opportunity to like put on someone else's headphones and get exposed to fucking different stuff, man. I was like a Seeloff kid. So coming into Soldatna was like the world opened up. There was that like a 40, 30 minute bus ride. Yeah. Every, every one way. Yeah. One way. Yeah. It, it, dude, depending on weather, amount of kids they were to pick up on it. Uh, you know, which bus I rode. Cause there was two different route stops I could get from, I, I, Tuscany Elementary. Um, you, so you'd go there. Parents would drop you off there, and you'd wait for the bus to come pick you up there, take you in. Yeah, long ride, man. Long fucking wow. cold ride. So basically, yeah. Um, middle school, I was like, I still wanted to play drum. And here now, by the time eighth grade hit, I had found like Slipknot. Uh, yeah. And I and then I hear this form of drumming that's not Fleetwood Mac. R.I.P. Like Joey. Stuff. Right, R.I.P. Joey Jordanson, and it wasn't until probably the winter of eighth grade where we had just gotten our dividends, and I'm like, I want to, and I'm begging, I'm begging my parents, like, I want a drum set, I want a drum set, and they're like, Well, Christmas is coming up, let's go halves, yeah, you go half your dividend or whatever or whatever, and I remember that Christmas I got uh, a drum set, a massive drum set, and um, from the music box, uh, yeah. Yeah, fucking a. Yeah, what was that guy's name? Like Dave, or was there a Dave and a Mike? Mike Mike Silba was who was right yeah. back in the day. Yeah, and and yeah. God, it maybe it was Dave, but Mike was always Mike Silba was the guy. Man, he was the dude. And then there was Whitey's on K Beach. So yeah, yep. Shout out to those local music stores. Um, okay, so eighth grade, you get your big your big drum kit, and were you, did you go like were you like I'm playing like them? like slipknot metal like that was that's, that's my fucking shit double beat double kick was that um it, i mean it led there but it was just starting out with the basics man playing that basic four four did you take lessons no lessons never took a lessons i picked up like a learn to drum book with a couple like drum notation and uh. just like tried to decipher it and read it and it was a lot of, it was a big coordination big coordination learning change process type thing where i just had to like learn the basics and then i would i remember in eighth grade not too soon after i got the drum set being like i want to play with somebody like playing alone so boring you know yeah did you find yourself falling into like just getting enveloped by it i mean every day was did was was it like a constant thinking about it thing for you I mean, I it, looking back, I wish, but no, it was just oh, kind okay. of like a, it was kind of like a hobby. It was just yeah. kind of like, yeah, I'm just trying to, learn to gauge to play the like drums. how, you know, how, how serious, you know, some kids are like, as soon as I found it, I couldn't, I never put it down. Like, oh, you know, I no. just didn't know how, how crazy you got with it, man. No, because I, I, I feel like if I would have ever gotten that crazy with it, that I would have, I'd be on the road or something or would have <laughs> been on the road up until. Right. The road wasn't really an option for a couple of years. But yeah, you know, it would have gone much further. But no, I just definitely liked playing with other people. I found this mm-hmm. kid who played guitar. Um, he would come over. We would jam once in a while. 
and yeah, it was it was much it was much more of like let's create mm. let's create something that's never been done before. The kind of music we want to hear. Yeah, yeah, or you know, or let's something that hasn't been done before to us. You the, know, like oh, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and that's like that's what I like about music is just starting with nothing, and then <sighs> three hours later, you got one, two, you got a beat laid down. You know, you've got. Especially, something to show for it. especially collaborating with other people because not only are you like trying to make two different brains that think differently approach the same thing and work on it, you know it's a puzzle you're trying to yeah. figure out how how the music fits together and how it works and how your brains work and like i don't know there's a certain type of, of like relationship that you gain with band i've been in a few bands man i'm in one right now you know so it's it's just like this yeah, it, it, it's it's building friendship on a on a unique nonverbal connection like that. I think that's what is really cool about it. It doesn't need words; don't need to be said for that thing to work. Yeah, Fucking yeah, man. I really I really enjoy it. But after the middle school and then yeah, high school. Did, um, did you play in high school still? Um. I'm, Oh, that was I uh, was kind of Omerta. That's when that was. Happening. Yeah, I think that was my junior year because our soft sophomore to senior year, because before Omerta was this band called Kinetic. Oh, yeah. that uh, Jake Blanchard, who you did that podcast yeah, with, dude, was yeah, actually he... the the bass player in that project. And I remember truly meeting Jake on the day when we went from the middle school to the high school for like the visiting. Like, let's go be awkward and walk around the new school you're going to. God. Dude, that was terrible. That, yeah. that experience. They're like, let's show you off to all the big kids. And then they're like, oh, remember these poor set? Like, look at these fucking kids, man. And like the fear that was trying to be instilled in us. Like, yeah. Oh, like, I'm, yeah. It was a fear <laughs> thing, wasn't it? It was. Well, somebody put it into us. I don't know who, if it was ourselves. If like somebody's big brother was like, yeah, they're just looking and 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 picking their choice of fresh meat to come and beat you up on the first day next year, blah blah blah. Like, oh my goodness, the times, the times were wild. Yeah, dude, two thousand two thousand one was a, a a fucking crazy year because it was like, I mean, not not only nine eleven and everything happened that year, but it was it really seemed like. Fighting was still a thing in school, and then awesome. like yeah. 2002, 2003 comes, and fighting's not happening anymore. Like it really <laughs> went from the beginning of us starting high school, fights were real, and by the senior year, you're you're getting arrested if you fight in school. Yeah, it was weird, man. It was super strange evolution. I don't know. I, I was never. I was never a fighter. <laughs> uh, I got picked on a lot. I wasn't a f- I, I wasn't a fighter like fighting with people picking on. I was just picked on a lot. Yeah, I got that in the elementary for sure. Hmm. After after middle school and high school, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. In high in high school, I think it was there was a lot of hazing because I was that that freshman who was one awkward. You know, you're going into high school and. Uh, you know, I, 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 I wanted to be cool. Like I, I never felt cool. And so I wanted to be cool. And so I was like, I'm going to play football because the cool yeah. kids probably play football and they did. And then they just picked into inter inside of football. There was the hierarchy of football. So maybe you were on the team to the rest of the school, but inside there you were just 
low man on you know it yeah. it was everything in a microcosm on bus trips and uh there was a kid a senior my freshman year who had the last name of singleton as well no relation um you know not even close but that kid made it his goal to like i'm the inferior singleton you know what i mean it was it was weird dude it was a specialized type of targeting uh that just so that that teachers allowed like you know he was a senior football player so like <laughs> no one yeah it was weird dude fucking weird yeah. times to think about crazy um yeah, dude, that's that. So, so, okay. So you were already, cause I, I didn't even start playing guitar until I was a sophomore in high school, probably like okay. I didn't even begin to take it seriously. I didn't even think about playing in a band until I was in college in music career. I just kind of played acoustic guitar to sing songs around campfires. And again, I, it was, it was a, it was a kind of trying to adaptation, uh, I wanted to be cool. I wanted to s- attention. I think was a right. big attention-seeking mechanism in my early music career, f- formatively. You know, right, right. Did you did you kind of feel what was it the same for you? Did oh, everybody wants to be the star of the show, man. But do, you did know? you find like, yourself well, I mean, like pining for that when once you were in a band and playing and yeah yeah actually it's like a uh a deep-rooted thing that i had actually started working on up until a couple years ago is like the 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 urge to want to be to want to be seen to want to be heard to want to be famous you know growing up definitely wanted to be like i want to be a rock star or a movie star or you know like some sort of idolized public figure in in whatever it may be and it wasn't until my 30s when i got into the relationship i'm in now that some that my significant other was like why (laughs) you know (laughs) because like i'm out here i'm trying to do youtube channels i'm doing all this and 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 i appreciate it because it's like it's It's hard i don't yeah you know i appreciate being asked those questions like like to understand why it is that I'm doing the things yeah. that I'm doing. Introspection. You know? Yeah. Cause I'll just get super one track minded and mm. just, and just spiral out of control and obsess over something until someone's like, Hey, pump the brakes. Like, like, what are you doing, man? Like, <laughs> and you know, okay. I, I feel very much the same way. And, and it's like, yeah, someone says that and it's like, that's the first time I look down to even notice there's another pedal there besides just the the go one. You know, it's right. like I, it's it's like it doesn't even occur to me to slow down until someone said, "Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it." That's a good way but to put yeah, it. soon as soon as we had like formed the band, it was just like something clicked, and it was like, "Congratulations, Joe! You want to be a rock star? And now you're going to do everything in order to get that, or whatever you think is going to get that. You know, yeah. and just kind of have this." new young drive to want to be a rock star even though like i might not have even been the best drummer you know or we might not have been the best band but it it was definitely it helped like the sense of ego you know being sure sure because you can you can be like well i I know i'm a kick-ass drummer and whether or not anyone thinks that is their problem but like i make myself feel good by the things that i'm doing yeah well you know i think being an older man now, you know, mid thirties, um, allows you 
you know, enough time passed. Like I look at myself in my early twenties wanting to, to that, that person that wanted to be a musician then and wanted to be the rock star then. And like, uh, they like, like you can, I, I don't know. I'm able to look back on that person now and go like, Oh, you, you were actually lying to yourself about the, the <laughs> motivation of that goal. Like, right. like, like that, like you were deceiving yourself then. Cause it, I think it was just to not feel worthless in the, actually like the, 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 yeah. the mechanism to want to be famous is cause you don't want to be worth like it. That's the action force. Right. So right. it, I, I had never even thought about the subtext. Why are you doing it? No one had ever asked that question. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's, do you, do you relate to that part of it? Like, the, the, yeah, the, uh, the, self worth is huge. You know, it's self worth, self love is like a huge concept. It's crazy. I, Did you have a supportive I, family in that way? A very like positive, uh, positively affirming. Uh, you know, my, as soon as like high school hit, I was barely ever at home. I knew my parents were very supportive. Like I, I understood that, but was it, it came down to my willingness of do I even want to be at home? Ah. Uh. You know what I mean? Because I think even before I graduated high school, I had already lived out of my house. Really? Like the, la- the last couple months of my senior year, I lived on my own. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, so you, you felt, Matt, so would you, would you say then you were kind of from an early age? I'm just, you know, trying to understand. So be, driven to, be solitary did you feel like a need to to be that was it solitary or not under a control like was it well can you describe that yeah being in control i i you know being in the 30s and retrospective i've come to learn uh of control issues and and my want to have control and things like that and in therapy sessions have talked about that and stuff like that but it was definitely like yeah kind of being in control of my own what did you think at that time because obviously we can we can look with hindsight all day now but in the moment what was your impetus like were you just like you know for me i it was rebellion and i couldn't tell you why i wanted to rebel but i definitely didn't want i don't know it wasn't even like rules it was just there was something about the feeling of being somewhere that you maybe don't have a choice to not be there yeah a lot of it was probably parental control you know like i just i lived in a house with my mother and my stepfather and brothers and sisters stepbrothers and sisters and stuff like that and when when the stepdad was home it was a very different set of rules from Uh when it was just like me and mom and so early on i was just kind of like i don't like it were you You the oldest in the house no the middle Oh, okay. So you were a middle kid of how many kids? So my, I got an older stepbrother and an older stepsister, and then I have me, and then there's the younger stepsister, and then the baby half brother. Okay, okay. So the five kids. Yeah, um, yeah, and depending on how many were living in the house at the a- time, age is very, yeah. of course, of course. But right, but it, it, there was enough time for you to in- internally establish yourself as the middle kid. Like, yeah, you, yep. There were older ones probably taking more uh, elder attention, and then the the newness of the younger ones. And you did you feel that separation? Oh I'm yeah. Guessing? Well, especially as soon as the baby, uh, my youngest brother 
was born, which was right about the time I started middle school. So right about the time, uh, or right, right about the time I left middle school, my eighth grade year. So by the time I started high school, my baby brother was born, and and then so I was just and yeah, I was just not really in the picture, you know. <coughs> well, not <coughs> man. I mean, yeah, I I totally get it. You're you're trying to establish um, the kind of person you want to be, you know. Yeah, what it means to be within a social class, um, <coughs> where where you fit in kind of a scheme of things. That's that's one. Yeah, that's a tough place to be, man. Well, and 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 where we grew up was a tough place to be because I think yeah. like um, as much as I want to say I didn't feel like I belonged there, it's maybe like I knew I didn't belong there, and and. And I feel a little more at ease now that, you know, I'm 145 road miles away and I'm in a yeah. bigger city. Yeah. But back then it was like, I'm never going to be a rock star if I'm going to, if I have to live in this small town, there's no venues here. Yeah. There's no, you know, we had to put on our own shows on the roller rink. Yeah, and, dude, um, yeah. and so quickly after high school, about a year after we all graduated, we did all move up to Anchorage and you know, lived that rock star lifestyle. And that was when the Omerta was going on strong and then it evolved into another band and and quickly was when I was faced with a lot of mental health things, which is like a whole nother chapter of my life. <laughs> but definitely like where I grew up, it was like an almost immediate rebellion by the time I, I started playing music that I was like, I'm, you know, I'm not going to achieve truly feeling good about myself about being a rock star if i can't or if i have yeah. to be in soldat in alaska yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of all let, places dude, let me tell you i i definitely felt especially as a a high schooler really is probably when i felt it and i don't know if it was because maybe i didn't i didn't relate to a lot of the peer my peers um yep. you know it's it it seemed like they <laughs> they loved it there <laughs> Like, like they, uh, you know, I had peers that like really, like they hunted and they fished and they did, you know, uh, they would, all they would do is wait for snow to come for snow machining or, yeah. or there was a, there was something tying them to, to nature or the land or some part of that. Um, or they, they were the, I guess maybe the, you know, it, and this is not supposed to be disparaging in any means, but but I think there is a a, a type of mentality that is not that is not suited for a large population, and so maybe they feel comfortable in a small town, not you know eight stoplights in the town, not right, right, not interstates and overpasses, and you know I, that's a different type of mentality man and i think that some people you know maybe feel so comfortable they never go try it to know if they don't but uh yeah i i recognized very early on that i didn't my i didn't i wasn't the same as my peers um not 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 that i felt superior i just wasn't the same we yeah. we, we were not the same and i knew that i didn't want to live there forever exactly like it just some some of them 
a lot of our peers are still there. A lot of I, them shoot. There's people I went to high school with, graduated same year I did, and they just wanted the family. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, they've got they've got high schoolers. You know, like, and I'm like, dang, I could like, I can't. That just wasn't me. You know. Yeah, I'm still kidless, man. I, you know, I don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean that, that's an entirely other conversation too, as well. But you know, I don't know if I'll if that's ever part of my my path. You know, I mean, I should. I'm still trying to be a fucking rock star. I'm 35 years old, and I'm still putting in work. Where you know, my band's just getting ready to drop an album, uh, music video in production, in post production right now. Got another one getting ready to be filmed. Just got nice. signed to a label in Spain. Like, yeah. uh, yeah, for real, man. You know, it's, uh, yeah, do it. That's, it, that's, yeah. You know, I mean, why not, man? I, I, I got a late start. You know, I, I wasn't in my first actual band until I was, uh, like 2010, 2011, 2012. I mean, that was, that was the first band that we felt the four of us all, you know, and Jason was my singer, man. You know, shout out to Jason Smith, uh, Right, right. You know, he was he was uh he was the singer in Fighting Silence, man. We were we looked at each other and we're like, Yeah, we should probably take this out of the state if we ever want to try and do something with it. And so that's what that's why we came to Portland, man. Right. Pretty pretty rad metal scene here. So Yeah, because up until two years ago, I hadn't really played drums since two thousand and seven, two thousand eight. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. wow. <laughs> so you took you took over ten years off drums. Uh, yeah. And it wasn't until 2012 that I started sitting behind a computer Producing, and making, ele- yeah. and make, yeah, electronic. making electronic music or, or hip hop beats or any of that stuff. That's cool, man. Well, so, so where are you at now? What are you doing musically now? Are, you're, you're in a band, right? Drumming? So I am, in, I am in a band drumming. I drum with this band. It's, uh, Paul Jacks. It's, uh, he, Paul is, uh, he's like a, he's like a really good studio musician mm-hmm. to where like he has his setup. I mean, if you look at a setup, he's got like the four computer screens and yeah, yeah, like yeah. he's, in, he's invested his life into the gear. He's got the into gas, the studio you know? making. This, yeah. And yeah. in, into the studio and, and two, three years ago, I don't know before pre pandemic, cause it had to have been late 2019. I'm trying to think. Um, I was approached by a guy who had worked with Paul on an album who was the keyboard player, Colton Shufo. Okay. You know, the Shufos? Man, that name sounds so there's a There's there's a big, big family, big group of them. Um, <laughs> maybe they all went to So High. I don't know. Anyway, they're from Soldatna too, okay, which is gotcha. funny. But I'm, gotcha. he's, a, he's a little bit younger, but there's Colton and he approached me and they're like hey do you want to be in paul's band and at the time i wasn't thinking about drumming i was like yeah i think it'd be really cool to play a guitar and then i started listening to paul's music and i was like maybe i should play drums because it might not be in my best interest to like figure out how to play guitar in a guy's band yeah yeah yeah. you know who's like pretty established in his own music and so yeah i went over there started playing drums and then we were kicking it off and then boom 2020 and it was like oh i'm glad you guys are really getting this music kicked off because now you're not going to play any shows for a year and a half (laughs) dude i know man it's rough and so in paul's band i he basically makes a lot of the music i have very little uh creative 
control over what mm. I'm really doing. I'm basically a hired gun. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. I mean, I'm a hired gun and don't get me wrong. I love the music. Um, it's not a hundred percent my preference, but it's almost like a really, it's a really good gig, you know? Well, well, and it, and it probably lets you kind of expand musically in a direction that not it, not being your total preference. Um, it's still a, a tool of the drumming yeah. toolbox that you can work on, man. I mean, you can use those chops for other types of music, you know, so. And it's actually um, improved my playing after not doing it for like a decade. Yeah. Because um, when he got back into it, he's like, yeah, we've got a lot of backing tracks and we play to a lot of like stuff that like Colton or Jason on the guitar is not playing or Paul is also not playing on keys. We have an automated bass player. Oh, what's his so name? We've got, what's up? What's his name? Uh, it's it's well, we named the bass rig Franz. Oh, see, that's yeah, that's perfect. So Franz is your bassist, all right? Yeah, he's an automated bass player. Um, he comes out of a half stack Ampeg situation, but in order for the whole project to work, <laughs> would you I say have, maybe had, Franz kind of has has a slight drinking problem, but he's always on time? That's what they said. Yeah. yeah. That's ex- like verbatim what's been said. <laughs> and uh, so, but it's forced me to play with a click track. Right. And back in, you know, or in my early days, I never played. I had a hard time playing to a click track. Yeah. So now I'm just, I. it's really strengthened. Like, and now mm. I don't play without it, which a lot of people are like, dude, you play to a click? And I'm like, yeah, like, that's awesome. It, and I'm like, it yeah. is. I mean, um, you know, it wasn't until I started doing a lot of, production stuff myself and 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 kind of big boy recording yeah um before you know going to a click and um but (laughs) on the other side there is like the the latest stuff we just made my my band just just released we we actually recorded it live uh not to a click um our drummer happens to be remarkably accurate in his tempo um he he is very you know we're talking a couple beats a minute swing over an entire five minute song like like he's he's pretty fucking accurate um and you know there's there's something to kind of be said about going into a bridge and it's speeding up a couple beats a minute and then slowing back down for the last chorus and kind of giving it that intensity feel or or you know swinging um yeah, I don't know. There's something to be said about it. So we we went and played in live, and he we've even sat down after the fact. Like, man, when now when we're trying to do all our post editing, we love the the fact that it feels live. But now we're not able to do any tracking to you, a click anymore. You you can't you can't add nothing to no, it. No, the, there's no quantizing anything. There's no you know if you want to do other takes or add in other stuff, you have to play it live to the song now and it it's incredibly difficult yeah yeah um and that's that's what's great about you know a lot of bands that don't play to a click even live because depending on the energy of the venue it'd be like oh you know so and so track we should let's you know let's let's kick it up a little bit yeah you know you, you get the energy here it's just so predestined yeah you know yeah it's the same it's the same tempo it was 
six months ago, you know, and uh, it doesn't allow you to kind of on the fly, like, hey, let's do that chorus again. Yeah. Play the room. Yeah. 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 And we've we've tried like even in practice to be like, yeah, what could we do? And it's just like, no, just play the song. Next song. (laughs) Which there's 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 nothing there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I mean, we my band is very structured that way. We 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 write the song. This is how the song sounds. We get up and we fucking play them. We're not playing to a clack a, a a click track, but we have a set list and we're just like, Hey, we're just going to fucking pound music in their faces. You know, no, not really improvised jams or anything. Once we have the song established, but there is the variability of how we attack the song that can change. Right. You know, but yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Kind of like playing the room. So, and so that's what I've been doing. And (laughs) there's like the pros and cons of being in a band. Yeah. But, uh, like the thing is, is like, we only practice, um, once a week and great and you know and shows are few and far between and so i started going back to my roots of you know sitting in soldatna when i had lived there and being like joe you're really good at making stuff on your computer you know yeah and so i started i started producing hip-hop beats because there's an underlying love as much as there is for rock and roll of for like hip-hop music for real yeah and i just um I just produced an album for this hip hop artist who's down in Salem, who's from Alaska, and it just dropped on the sixth. What's it called? And uh, the album's called Le Visiteurs. Okay. Um, the MC or the hip hop artist is Tack Havoc. Tack Havoc, and, right? And yeah, I produced the whole album, and uh, it just dropped. And it's a it's a really strange way how like it all came together. And how did you about it, it. did you know him from? the past or just how'd you meet up with it how'd how'd that work so january of last year i like was slowly getting back into beat producing and i made a beat and i was like oh i'm gonna get on instagram and like you know share sharing is caring you know and i'm gonna i'm gonna share this little clip of like me playing the beat and he had replied to it and said yo this is a really good beat i could see you know so and so hip-hop artist danny brown over that beat and i didn't really think anything of it at the time right you know and then here i am nine ten months later in october of last year and i'm like oh yeah i wanted to make beats like um i've had my own hip-hop journey as a vocalist before and and was making songs and putting you them got, on you got some bars man i've heard yeah you. i got some i've heard you oh stuff. you're yeah, you heard the bars. I've I've heard some of your old shit. Yeah, it's the old stuff. That was yeah. 2012, 2013. Yeah. yeah. And so um I was like, oh, I want to get back into making beats, but like I want to like I I'm cuz like I've just on my own journey and like production and productivity and creating and stuff and so I just was like, didn't that guy reach out to me and said my beat was dope back in January? And so I went right back on social media and I found the conversation and I was like, he did. He did say that beat was dope. Well, I'm going to send him about 12 of them, you know? So Good. I sent him like, I said, well, I sent him one and I was like, Hey man, I was just wondering if you like, you wanted a beat, you yeah. know, you know, or whatever. And he's like, yeah, this is great. And I was like, well, I got more. He's like, well, send them on over. And I think one Saturday I sat down and produced five or six beats at a time. And wow. would send them over 
And then just, and that was back in October, just a few months ago. And then it just, he's like, I think we got enough songs here for an album. That's fucking great. And, and it, it, like, it was just crazy how, how, how fast, uh, it happened. And, um, lost my train of thought, but I'll get it back. But yeah, um, it's cool. Oh, I did, I did, that was crazy how fast it, 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 uh, came across. And then he was like, well, can you do the mixing? And so here I am, like, now I'm mixing an album. You know, I get mixing credits or whatever. Um, Not really sure how to master much these days, but definitely he would send back his his vocal tracks and I'd plug him in to the the Ableton or whatever. And yeah, mastering is like this. (laughs) It's magic. I think it's sorcery. We we had our tracks, the ones we did, we mixed them. uh, And we're like, I was like, man, this sounds really fucking good. And then we sent him off for mastering to some dude and just emailed him you know mp3s and he's like master these or whatever and then not really mp3s the whole files obviously but um and then you get it back and you're like yeah it's better like <laughs> yeah like I, it's no it, it's di- is it is it bet is it better and I don't like know. <laughs> like what did they do did they change any of the mix no no the mix is exactly how it was okay did they actually adjust any of the volume of any of the tracks no no they didn't adjust any of the volume um oh well it's not more compressed is it no it's not really more compressed maybe a little bit uh, well what the fuck did they i don't yeah there's I a giant know. sparkle button they just say make the song sparkle it's just yeah it's like putting a hashtag on it it's i don't mastered. know yeah <laughs> yeah it's wonderful but then you you can have oh my songs are mastered they're mixed and mastered that's a nice thing you know it's part of that uh the cred. It's like, yeah, the standardization of the whole process. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. That's exciting. Um, cool. So you just, you, you have an album that just dropped, man. That's awesome. Uh, and then what was, when did the podcast start? How did that come up? How did you even decide you wanted to all, all this also be a voice of information and, and, uh, help out there? Because well, that's that's interesting to me. This is probably going to start the second half of this episode yeah, because yeah, that's it why is I started it. Definitely a journey through time and stuff, my friend. Talk to me. So, yeah. so the podcast. It's Which, a mental health podcast. It's called, it's called Situational. Go out there, check it's it called, out. I have I've listened to it, man. I've listened to almost every episode you put out. Not even not even lying. I'm uh, I'm an uh, information junkie. I, I listen to podcasts almost all day, every day. I just am consuming conversation. A lot of, uh, yeah, uh, some like satire comedy podcast, but most of my stuff is, um, you know, about real life. Most yeah. of the podcasts I listen to are, are about real life. Um, not celebrities talking to other celebrities about their lives. Um, and, your your podcast is really good, dude. Thank you. Really good. Appreciate that. Uh, you have a nice voice. <laughs> nice. I have to I say, you. Yeah, I don't think I've heard that one. No, you haven't heard. No. You haven't been told you have a nice voice. Well, you have. I, you have a great voice for radio. That's cool. I've been. I'd love to do. It. They got a local station up here. I think doing. It's all. It's all a nonprofit. It's a nonprofit radio show. Yeah. And I was like, man, would I really want to add 
doing like a two hour radio show into my weekly routine. I, I think I think that you're you're very good at um <laughs> you're 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 there is a free there is a freeness of um your internal conversation to the external world that i i find refreshing it it seems like when you're act when you're in the zone and you're podcasting um especially the ones you've done recently um that are a little more free flowy i i love the the kind of uh unfiltered version yeah. a, a, a little it, it just feels more natural it it, it yeah it's it, it turned into a conversation from like a a ted talk almost you know what i mean yeah yeah i got tired of that ted talk vibe um how it came to be yeah. it was probably a 10 year uh experience in my own uh life i guess well, you know um i and I said this on one of the episodes, you probably heard it. I got diagnosed with schizophrenia. Yes. Um, in like 2009. And, uh, and then I had about 2010, I had about two years of losing my mind, literally like just being, um, not sane. I, I don't know how else to put it. Like I just like unmedicated, you know, if I, to like level it out, like I was unmedicated. And I wasn't living in Alaska at the time. And my mom's like, you need to come home. We need to get you help. Where were you yeah. at? I was in Oregon. Oh, okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> I had I, I had gone to a job core in Southern Oregon and learned how to weld. Like, unbeknownst to many people, yeah, I'm pretty good at welding. Dude, but, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, I love welding. But I just I, I never got into the career, you know? Well, one, yeah. because it was 2009 by the time I got out of there. And it was the, the housing the, just the whole fine, yeah just boom and um i had really bad mental health problems and so i ended up coming back to alaska and had a couple of other mix-ups and i didn't get truly medicated until about 2011 what if you don't if and and you know obviously don't say anything you don't want to say um i am curious though what did you like did you did it just come on how did did you always feel like the thing that maybe tr truly expressed itself as diagnosed schizophrenia was always kind of underlying there D did you can you talk about that so i i it's it's hard to really remember a lot um prior to like a diagnosis of like how was my mental health how was my mental state and and i try real hard to think about it sometimes but I always felt like I had a little bit of a problem because I had a substance abuse problem. I uh, smoked a lot of weed, which like people would be like, oh, you smoked a lot of weed. Big deal. But for some people. Oh, yeah. It's it's a bad thing. Yeah. 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 And so for I was the kind of person who it was a bad thing. And so I had a marijuana induced. Schizophrenia. Yeah. yeah um, psychosis. Like psychotic. Yeah. Psychosis. And um Wow. See, I can't, I can't touch the stuff anymore, <laughs> which I, it doesn't really affect me any in any yeah, way. But yeah. yeah, right around the time I was twenty three, and if you look into it, it's, it's a very it. It always comes on. They say between eighteen and twenty five. If you're if it happens in males, right? It happens in males. Like it's a very common thing, yeah. and I just 
you were rolled those. Yeah. You were literally part of the odds of it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um so do and you, now, you know, and now I'm medicated. I got medicated. Yeah. I, I don't take a pill every day. I actually get an injection. Oh, wow. I get the little, I get a shot in an arm, alternating arm every month, once a month. Get a huh. little booster, sh- get a little booster shot. I'm good for 30 days. You know what okay, I mean? So can, can I, can, are you pretty open about it? Are you comfortable talking yeah, you, about it? Can you I can ask, ask me anything. Cause, cause it's, it's not like I want to make you feel, um, you know, I want to be very clear. It's not like, Oh, look at this like thing that's on exhibit, and I want you know I want to poke it. I I, I am in you know in genuinely curious about the human brain, and especially about it breaking. Um, which is kind of what happened. Do you do you was it like there was? Can can you maybe qualify a little more of your experience on like if it was? Was it a break? I know I I you know I've read in in literature that that some people say like they. Like it's something changes that can you call it? Was it something as simple as that or as significant as that? I was, I was in job core and in job core, it was in like, you know, Roseburg. Yeah. Yeah. Like super Southern Oregon. So it was about 30, 40 miles outside of Roseburg. And I, at the time I wasn't smoking weed or anything like that, but I was so I was super isolated from the world, and I re- I remember what led me to go to talk to like a, a psychiatrist or whatever it was at the time. But I definitely remember a definitive night at the job course center um, where I just started crying. <laughs> I just started crying, and then shortly after that, the next day, I had massive paranoid delusions about everybody around me that people were out to get like people were out to get me everyone was against me they were talking about like just like like bad paranoia you know and 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 like that that everything was just like attacking you know like you feel the walls are closing in if you're like the guy over there can't be trusted and things like that okay so so it wasn't like you you were sitting there smoking a bunch of weed you took too many big bong rips and the next morning so if you had stopped you were in oregon you were doing this thing and maybe was do you think then it was like stress induced anxiety induced about I don't know. I don't know. I'm just trying to understand. It could have been a lot of things, but there was some there was some times at my time in Job Corps where I did things I wasn't supposed to do. And I think mm. since, since since technically I had gotten clean and then I dabbled that yeah. it was like, here you go. Here's a nice psychotic break a week later. You know what I mean? Fuck. And and uh uh yeah. Um Okay, so it, but I don't know, honestly, I I don't know if i had it it almost had been like escalating over a course mm. since i was 18 years old you know while the times when i was 18 where i was a heavy drinker i was a heavy smoker and then it built up and built up right. and then i felt like i've always said like i felt like i was just very disconnected from reality um since about the time i graduated high school and I think, you know, hmm. certain events, certain events led to other events. And I think it just, I reached a point when I was like 23 and it just was like, can't handle it anymore. <sighs> and you your know? brain said no. Yeah. My brain said no. And, um, and it's a, what it really is, is it's a dopamine. It's a dopamine thing. A lack of it or a uh, lack of reception. I, I, 
it's like too too many signals firing off at uh, the same time okay and not enough not enough so like the medication i'm on it it's like a stable it's a antipsychotic like it's it's a stabilizer because i got too many messages in my brain shooting across the, the freaking the neural syn- pathways yeah. and it's just overload of information and then it yeah okay so um you, you you spent two years you said um unmedicated uh based you know suffering from the the obviously the extreme of your brain misfiring for years on end right um right did can you like i don't even know what the question to ask that 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 is the right question um i don't know man i I so basically basically what had happened in those two years until i came back to alaska was a lot of partying a lot of rebellion and a lot of running basically away and, 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 and basically just being out of control, you know, it's like, um, it's like, and I don't know if I can say this, but it's like, you know, if it's like those people and I'll, I'll try to like mull it over, but it's like those people who live a certain lifestyle lifestyle who get a free pass Mm. for like a weekend or something like that. Yeah. So I I just lived that free pass for two years. And it wasn't until that started snowballing and escalating yeah. that my my parents were like, <laughs> you're not going to, you know, you're not doing good. Like you need to like get help. And at that point I was breaking down and I was like, I need to get out of where I am. <clears throat> so were, because- were you, I, you know, I, I guess I'm trying to, to, to 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 see how um how living with this i mean was it like how how was it affecting like your kind of like your day-to-day life like like were were you able to hold down job were you working were were you nothing so you were no, no. you were just like if it would have continued on i'd be like the guy on the side of the new york street yelling and cussing at everybody really you know because like i would i think i would have just gone full-blown off the rails and were you and so you were drinking a lot were you using were were you like a lot of substance abuse or was it just kind of all all just whenever it unhinged like um there's a lot of drinking and a a couple of narcotics and a lot of marijuana yeah and a lot of marijuana and um and that was fueling your psychosis. Were you still? Were you spending all this time still thinking that everyone was out to get you? Like, yes, yeah. So, yeah. did you have like, any it, relationships, or were you literally so flying solo? Flying so no relationships. I didn't really have a lot of relationships from the time I graduated high school up until 2013. Oh, like so. not even just like friends. Oh, I have friends. No, I'm, I thought you were talking about like dating. No, no, no. Like I mean, that. like, like actual just personal relationships with people. Were you able to maintain like friendships with people without thinking that they were then? Um, com- it was a bit of a struggle. I feel like I had a lot more acquaintances because mm. uh, you know those. They say your friends will look out for you, and 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 not that I'm saying that nobody was looking out for me, but there comes a time when you're faced with a situation with somebody and you don't know what to do, you know? And yeah, there's a lot to it. I'd say I I knew a lot of people. And at the time, you know, from 2000 and 
you know, 2008, 2009, 2010. Yeah, I was, I was seeking out new friends and I was trying to connect with people from like a, a separated group of friends mm-hmm. who I had met through like the music scene in Anchorage, Alaska in 2006, who had all made their migration down to Portland, Oregon. Yeah, and yeah. So like I was couch surfing, I was like walking around Portland, Oregon in the rain, mm. you know, listening to music in my iPod and, and, um, I mean, technically homeless. I was supposed to be living with my grandmother. And I just knew that if I stayed with grandma, that I would have to get my shit together. And I didn't want to get my shit together. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, because confronting living with grandma and grandpa was like, that's, that was like the reality check. And here I am like, I can't handle reality. Of course. So I'm, so I'm going to avoid it. Gotcha. And I'm, Yeah. Fuck man, well, I I'm I'm sorry to hear that. You know, obviously you suffered, and uh, you know maybe I, you never want to say that uh, it was needless, but you know I, I'm sure that given the right circumstances and maybe the the closeness of someone there to be like, hey, maybe you would have been medicated earlier, maybe you wouldn't have suffered so bad or or the extent so long. Because I'm sure looking back now, that was probably a pretty painful fucking part of your life. Uh, it wasn't like, too bad. It, <laughs> I mean, I I did have like fun. Well, well, but you know, yeah, you there, know, there but. was no. I mean, <laughs> don't give me like, dude. I I, I get it. I, you know, I spent I spent quite a number of years basically rebelling, doing the same thing. You know, but it was at, it was at home in Alaska, and I had friends that I could couch surf on, and and you know, I didn't I didn't have a job for a long time. I didn't you know really have a place I was paying rent at, you know, I was living right. on my brother's couch. I was like, couldn't find a place to stay. And if I had enough money, I'd drive to see off and just, you know, open my mom's door and sleep on her couch or like, you know, I was just all over the place and it was lucky I was at home, but yeah, I was not, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I like, I, I get it that it's fun, but like, I can look back now at that and go, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't good for you. Like, you know, it, it, it wasn't positive. You weren't positively benefiting society, them having to, you know. No. And, sustain um, you. So there reached a point. I ended up back in Alaska living, living at mom and dad's. Yeah. And, yeah. um, started talking to therapists, psychiatrists, stuff like that. People who could prescribe me medication. And then that's when I got on. I tried a couple. I'm like, the, I feel, terrible <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, like yeah. i feel like i'm breathing underwater um and then i got on one and then like i remember the first time i got my first injection it was like a blanket being wrapped like a warm hospital blanket being wrapped around your body and then just something being like it's gonna be okay you know really like i remember sitting in my car and just like after I left the nurse's office and then just like a rush of warmth flowing through my body and then just being and like kind of like chuckling and then and then being like, I think it's going to be OK. So so was it. Is it just a feeling that you get or is it I mean, it's you know, I don't want to try and over stigmatize or anything and say, oh, you're hearing voices. Was it but was it kind of an internally driven thing? Did it did it feel does it oh, there's feel definitely there's definitely auditory hallucination or well, there used to be a lot more auditory hallucinations yeah really 
predominantly while I was trying to go to sleep. Yeah. Your voice and or other voices? Other. Wow. Yeah. It, like the way I've described it uh, recently, not by recently, I mean, maybe in the last five or six years, yeah, yeah. is like imagine if someone turned a radio on inside your head and they were flipping through uh, stations and you were hearing almost like advertisements, but they're not really advertisements. Of course. That would happen in my head. But it's like that. But you almost can't understand fully what they're saying. Ah. Uh. You know? And it's like, fuck, I'm trying to go to sleep. Like, shut it off, you know? And um, I would have I would have a couple of um, episodes like that, especially in the last couple of years, up until I started or stopped drinking uh, alcohol um, that I would every now and then. You know, if the everything was the way that it was, that I would have a hard time going to sleep because it would just be like someone cranking dials, wow. turning stations on in my head. Um, but the paranoia was definitely like a, like invasive thoughts. Like if you've ever had like a almost like an obsessive compulsive. Yeah, I, I've definitely kind of anxiety driven, self repeating thoughts, and you just kind yes. of can't. You know, you can't stop thinking about like a conversation you had and the words you said and it's just like you keep yeah i've 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 definitely spent time re- repeating um you know i can't quite compare to the extent of severity com- you know obviously uh or or even i can't even qualify how bad i could think it'd be because i have zero reference to the extent of possible uh, you know right yeah, it just it's ve- it was it'd be very they they call them paranoid thoughts about like people being able to read your thoughts you know they also say that you know do you they would ask me questions like did you ever think that you had superhuman abilities you know and there was a time in my life yeah thought i was like i could read people's minds i could read their thoughts you know and things like that you really did think that i really did think that wow yeah and it's like and it's it's wild modern medicine and the things that it can do so can i so what would be what would what would be an occurrence that would happen to make you think what was the internal mechanism like something was obviously confirming your suspicion that you could read people's minds so you would have the thought was that what was the what what would confirm it for you do you remember i don't know if anything would necessarily confirm it but i think it was more along the lines of like like nobody liked me you know, like everyone was out to get uh, me. Everyone, oh, oh, you and know? you were you were going. Be, you felt like no one liked you, and then you were like, "Oh, I I know that they're thinking that, and right?" Be, like, yeah, it's <laughs> okay. Yeah, like, or that they're out to get, or they're trying to sabotage me, or they're going uh, to like they're going to physically harm me. You know, being afraid that people are going to actually harm you, but you're not going off of nothing but your own paranoid delusion. Sure. Sure. There's, there's been like, no one's even stepped a foot towards you, but there could be, you know, someone sitting at a table at a coffee shop and you're like, that guy's plotting to kill me. Oh, seriously. Like those were the, yeah. those were the, ep- like the episodes that I would have. Wow. You know? Wow. Um, do, do, do you, did you have, and okay. So then was you, you could obviously then identify your own internal monologue within that 
episode, would, was there a, a compulsion to talk back to these? Was it just like like you were listening? Was there was would you go? Were you able to like in the time recognize like like oh this thing is probably isn't true or you would I don't know I'm trying to qualify like how how cognizant of it happening were you? Um, it was actually it would be like a lot of it was very a fearful time, and so in that whole fight or flight response. Like if I had to go into some place and I'm like, man, everyone in there, you know, is, you know, is going to be out to get me or they're going to be reading my thoughts or if I have to hear what these people have to think or whatever. And so I wouldn't stick around many places very mm. long and I would just, you know, just running away, you know, Fuck. trying to get. Yeah, you know, because it's like I had it enough in me not to like scream at a random stranger. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, well, that's, what, that's what I'm wondering. Like, like, like. How- Obvious, it seems like it. it's pretty fucking real. Like, obviously, it was real to you. Like, you, like, I, yeah, like, like this is, so. yeah, well, of course, that's what I mean. Like, it, right. was, it was real yeah. enough that you were, like, that's what I mean. Were you like, were you like having to tell yourself, like, don't fucking yell right now? Like, sometimes, yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, if you've ever seen somebody who's not mentally well equipped to deal with life, yeah, they do, yeah, you know, they oh, do, yeah, 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 yeah. I you know. Um, for sure, but I definitely I what it would fuel was just like a, an anger, and so I remember being a very angry, a very angry person, and I was even a very angry person when they were trying to help me in terms of getting medicated and mm. put me through these programs, and just being like very yeah. angry. And now I'm like not very, I'm not an angry person. How at all. did your yeah of one congratulations that's very wonderful to hear of 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 kind of the success in your your me you know and I, I do want to talk about you know obviously you said you've done therapy and stuff i want to talk about the healing that you've done and obviously getting into the podcast itself um but i i do so with your brain that way how did how were you convinced to if you wouldn't trust anybody how were you convinced to let them jab you with the needle to make you better if trust was an issue in that way. How did that work in your brain to allow <laughs> that? I guess being aware enough that if this is going to help me, it could make it stop. Ah. Uh, so it, it was bad enough. Like like you were you were at a point then when you wanted it to stop. The what, what oh, was yeah. happening. Yeah. 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 Like I was on I was like I was hanging over the edge, you know, violently and, um, but still just kind of there in the back of my mind enough to be like, what can I do to make it stop? Did it feel like riding passenger in the way you're you're describing it? It seems like you were, felt like you were a passenger. Uh, a little bit, a little bit, but a little bit, a little bit like there enough. Uh, Yeah. Um, what now that, and that was my time in a, like when I had gotten up to Alaska. Yeah. 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 But while I was down in, when I was down in Portland, yeah, Portland, Oregon, yeah, the Oregon area, I was definitely riding shotgun. And it wasn't until like, I, I, like, I don't even remember the plane ride back up to Alaska and, wow. and then like getting to Alaska. I just remember like all of a sudden, like being at my mom's house, you know, and being medicated and like, I don't even remember and I hate planes. And like, you think I would remember. Yeah. 
the plane ride back up but like <laughs> that's probably how detached i was but it there was something about like getting back in the like almost like the custody of family you know someone who sure. you feel like you can trust you know and yeah it was a big thing I wow. definitely felt like, yeah, I was off the rails for a couple of years for sure. All right. All right. So you get medicated. You start feeling better. You said 12, 2013 about that? 2012, 20, 20, 20, 20, late 2011. Okay. So, so uh, kind of what was the journey over, I guess, fuck the last 10 years then, 20, 2012 to now, the last 10 years of, of you know, doing work on yourself, finding stuff out about yourself. Um, I would definitely say the last 10 years for me have been a large mental shift in just the way I approach life and uh, think about myself in my past and kind of the way I used to think. And um, yeah, what, uh, and then obviously go into kind of the impetus to talk about it, you know, do the podcast. So, yeah. Um, I got you, man. And we're going to do the, we're going to do the short version. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do it in bullet points. Um, so yeah, 2011, 2012, definitely, um, was back in Alaska. I'd been medicated for a while, but it was like, I was living on a social security disability and uh state assistance. I had no job, didn't know if I could even work a job. And I had no place to live other than my parents and my mom, my mom being a huge, uh, advocate and facilitate like facilitator for the whole process was pointing me in the right directions of programs that could get me back on my feet and so i ended up living in an assisted living facility from 2012 to 2000 up until i moved to anchorage i lived uh in the assisted there's an assisted living facility right across the street from the high school that i went to and that is oh, where wow. i lived in my mid-20s <laughs> was getting that, my help was that yeah. good for you like you look back it was it was it was uh it was definitely something i never thought i would experience at the time but it was good for me i remember not liking it because i had to do things like sign in and out every time i would leave mm. you know and like all these things and you know rebellious joe's like this is stupid but yeah so basically for a good chunk of time i stayed in my little studio place i furnished it nice you know, I remember getting a dividend, getting a laptop, and then meeting some guy at the coffee shop and him being like, like befriending me and telling me about music. So I just, I got it. I bought a $300 cheap Walmart laptop, pirated a version of Ableton, and remember just sitting in my little studio or a coffee shop and just making weird electronic music. And like, that was yeah. like, my foundation at the time it was the only thing i really woke up and looked forward to all day and blockbuster because we still had blockbuster at the time God damn right dude in soldatna i i watched every movie in the whole facility you know what i'm saying yeah yeah and um and so up until that up until one rainy day i get a phone call from that friend who introduced me to making music mm -hmm. and he's like hey man you want a job and i'm like well yeah i've been sitting around for a couple of years like i'm getting a little loopy you know mm. and i i drove to uh the funeral home which in the back of the funeral home was a janitorial business i get a job as a janitor i go from getting a job as a janitor to being a pizza delivery driver i go from getting a job as a pizza delivery driver 
to moving to Anchorage with my at the time girlfriend, which I had gotten like my girl, a first girlfriend after you yeah. know, eight, nine years, you know? And so like things were getting, things were being good. And, and, and at the time, my mom at the time's always been like, Oh, you've got such a success story. You know, like you're doing really good. Just being very um, supportive in the whole thing. And, you know, so already she's like implanting those, you're doing a good job vibes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and like you're a success story. Like I can't for one, I can't wait for one day to like tell your story, you know, already like in the beginning. <laughs> sure. And, and so I moved to Anchorage. I work at another pizza shop. And then I realized living on the east side of Anchorage and driving all the way to the southwest side of Anchorage to work at a pizza shop was a terrible idea yeah and at this time i'm still living off social security and state assistance and i reached a point where at this time my mom's becoming more of a mental health advocate and she's joining you know committees and board groups or whatever that stuff is for like mental health advocacy and things like that and she's like and she points me in another right direction you know and she's like you need to go to DVR. DVR is the Division of Vocational Rehabilitation. And if you've got an injury or a mental health problem or anything like that, they help you find a job. Wow. And and so I go through the steps of the DVR. I'm still living in Anchorage. I've moved probably three times at this point because that's what you do in your 20s. Yeah. Is you get roommates and you and you jump around. And so like I started to feel a lot normal, you know, like like getting medicated and stabilized on medication is where I feel like I was reborn into being a 25 year old, you know? And, and like, and like, so I get a job working for the federal government, which I'm still working almost seven years later. Ah, you're a fed. I do laundry (laughs) (laughs) for the military. Really? Yeah, I do a lot of I do a lot of laundry. Um for I work on the the base here. Um oh, uh, Elmendorf? Uh Joint Base Elmendorf yeah. Richardson. Yeah. yeah, I do laundry. Uh like it's like a commercial thing, but it's all for the military, their hospitals, their oh, gear, wow. things like that. And I've been doing that for a while now and so I, like I got off of the assistance programs, the social security, the the state assistance, things like that. Um, I ended up separating from that girlfriend at the time and living on my own, you know, in my late twenties, working a job with benefit, like with benefits, being alone in a city, you know, well, not really alone. I had friends and stuff, but and you, would, like, you would, you would sit there at the end of the night in your apartment that you were paying for, for the job you're working by, and you could be by yourself if you wanted to be by yourself. Like that's what you. Well, I had. A, yeah. I have my. I had my cat. I have my cat. <laughs> that's fucking awesome. I, What's your cat's name? Furry. Yeah, Rick. Rick. Um, yeah, Rick Grimes. All the, right. Oh, the, yes. Very I, nice. Yeah, I've had him since uh, basically I moved to Anchorage, and um, so I always had like that emotional support. Yeah. Animal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which what led me to that episode, even though he's not um, registered or anything, but whatever. Gotcha. Um, and so, you know, and I tried my hand at dating, 
I, I do this. And, and it wasn't until I met the person I'm with now, Bree, Bree Sladen. She's a tattoo artist up here. Fucking awesome. Um, yeah, which is how I've yeah. gotten a lot of my I tattoos. Say, I was going to say, yeah, dude, you got <laughs> Yeah, she's lot. done my whole chest piece, like all that stuff. Um, awesome. I'm with her and I felt, and like in this whole time frame, it's like I'm becoming more and more self-aware more and more self-aware like yeah. i'm stabilizing more and more the only thing i'm really doing that i would consider bad is like drinking alcohol sure you know, which they say like oh you're on this medication drunk don't drink alcohol but then one day you drink alcohol and it doesn't kill you so you're like yeah i can have a couple beers every now and then yeah and so i'm going through like this just this newfound journey of life where like i don't have all these mental health problems and and like Life is good. I've got the girlfriend and we move in together and I start listening to podcasts in 20 in in the end of 2020. Oh yeah. Like, oh, so this like, is pandemic. Yeah. And so, got- yeah, and then the pandemic hits. So, like we really like condensed a lot of things. Yeah. So so did you meet her pre or post pandemic? Pre. Okay, okay, cool. 2019. Oh, okay. we've been together. We're going on 3 years. Wonderful. And and not you know not much had really happened, but it wasn't until probably 2019 when I get my shit together, I'm like I'm going clean and sober, you know? Like Good. yeah. Just going to raw dog reality, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Man. Yeah. And and then I I'm working a second job as a janitor. The first job that I got that got me my shit together because Joe now is this new person who likes to be busy mm. you know mm-hmm. he likes to not sit around and feel you know and, and, and sit with his thoughts or whatever and so and he likes money so he gets a second job as a janitor and then i'm like being a janitor is boring and i start discovering podcasts because in the last three years the podcast <sighs> yeah surgeons or yeah. Sur- like resurgence <laughs> has just skyrocketed they say having a podcast is here in a couple of years is probably going to be the best thing that you could have established yeah. in this in this time, you know? And I start listening to podcasts. There's some local guys. I was listening to like a true crime pro- podcast and all this stuff. And I'm like, you know, if you've ever seen the meme of the cat with the coffee cup and he's like, I should do this. Like that was me. Like I should start a podcast. I love <laughs> you know? that. I love that. But, yeah. it's, but then you sit down and you're like, well, what am I? What am I going to do a podcast about? <laughs> you know? Fucking A, dude. It's like, well, what do you know? You know? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I know my journey. And I know now that it's the pandemic, like now more than ever, like mental health is at the forefront, especially yeah. for people in our age demographic. Yeah, dude. And so I was like, it was a very big hurdle to overcome to actually do it and be like, do I want to be, I don't know, a spokes like, you know, a spokesperson for this? Do I want to be, you know, like a role model or an advice giver or whatever? And those first, you know, pilot episodes that I did were in my car with an iPhone and a pair of iPhone buds Mm -hmm. and just being like, like, just get on. Because I remember seeing that. They're just like, get on the mic and see what happens. Like, see how long, see how long you can talk. And because (laughs) for the most part, I'm just talking to myself. Oh, huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I and and just having, 
you know, going back to my mom being like, I can't wait to tell your story. And, and, you know, you're such a success and your mental health journey and all these things. And I'm like, yeah, let's unstigmatize this shit. Do you You believe that? Unbelieve what? Do you believe that you're a success story? Like you hear your mom say that. And and even when you first told me that, and I was going to ask you this, like you say it kind of like, Oh, my mom, she always, like, she tells me I'm good at basketball when, you know, if my coach yeah. doesn't play me but two minutes a game in the fourth quarter. But no, my mom thinks I'm the best shot there is. Like, do you believe that you're a success story or is your, do you think your mom is just being, loves you because she's your mom? Um, a little bit of both. And I don't want to like toot my own horn and be like, oh yeah, I'm the biggest success story there ever was. But it's, like, it's, it's, I feel like I have succeeded. Well, yeah, but I don't. I don't. I'm not necessarily asking you to quantify the level of your success compared to other people who've also succeeded. I'm within your. Do you think within the framework of your reality that you feel like a success story to yourself? Maybe to the person who very first got medicated and felt that warm blanket for the first time and couldn't imagine you now, like. (laughs) <laughs> like you had you just imagine that joe f- felt that fucking blanket for the very first time could you think him looking at you now would go like fuck yeah future joe you succeeded you are a success to me i would hope so yeah i would yeah i would hope so um that's all that matters that, man that's all yeah. that matters um yeah because i got it's good you know life is good you and rick have been together for what 10 years now Oh no, we've been together seven, like seven, seven years. Oh, seven years. See, that's a man. Yeah, me and Rick. Freaking, I don't know where he's at. But I don't. Um, I've just. It's just like, yeah, life is a journey, and so I also just started reading more, and I think it's helped the podcast. I saw that you. I don't know if it was on Instagram or on your podcast. You talked about it, but uh, read reading some Ryan Holiday, huh? Some stoicism. Yeah, I just picked up Courage. Yeah. That's a good one. Love it, dude. Uh, I'm like 30 pages in and I was reading it at work. I'm like, this is dope. Learning about modern stoicism has been a uh, kind of one of the tools for the the foundational shift of my approach to life now. Yeah. Huge, huge fan of of stoicism, especially the way that Ryan presents it. He presents it very well. I read the first one I read of him was ego. Mm-hmm. Ego is the enemy, and so that's why I'm trying not to be up here like la di da. Look at me, of course. Ah, but-, but but the Stoic would say the Stoic would say that you're not expressing your ego if all you're if if you're just talking about your experience. You're not and, right. There, there's no there's no motivation for you to have to persuade someone that your story is true if all you're speaking is the truth that is like one of the base stoic things that's why you you stay unfiltered in your truth because if all you're trying to do is talk about what's real to you there's no need to persuade another person that your truth is your truth right so uh regardless if a another hears what you're saying feels it as a compare like feels that that you're somehow comparing yourself to others and takes it that way and then they feel a way about that um you can't help their interpretation of your motivation you know i mean now that is like stoicism hard like like that that's that's saying uh not you know worry wor- worry worry not on um 
God, how's that? How's how's that fucking old? Oh, my brain. Ba- ba- basically, basically, uh, th- there's no point, negative or positive, in worrying about other f- people's feelings. Right. Like, you know that that that's just that's just an energy waste on yourself, and you, you know, you're being stoic. You're you're staying to your path, and and you're not putting any any energy into something else that isn't uh, a a, a part of your your journey. I'm not quite that hardcore in my stoicism. I obviously want to care about others' feelings and you know, not wanting to hurt them by saying by being sloppy with my language. Yeah. But yet I, I don't think we should have to restrict ourselves. Um, you know, that's something I struggle with a lot trying to promote my podcast myself or promote my music is like it's the unstigmatizing of the fact that saying, Hey, I'm in a band and I think my music's good and I think you would like it. Here it is. Shouldn't be looked at as egotistical from us. Like, like we're not, it, I don't know. I don't know. What, where, where do you see that going or coming from? It's, it's being judged for why do we turn and look at ourselves for doing something and then thinking other people are going to think we're being egotistical if we just talk about the thing we do? You yeah. know, I, I don't know. What do you think that is? I, well, I think I, I've, I read this book. I've written two books so far this year, eight days in or whatever I read. I put two books down. One of them, I don't know if you've ever heard of this gentleman, Grant Cardone. No. Uh, he's like a business guy. He does, he's got the realist, he owns like realty and, and like all these things. And basically he said in his book, what did I, it was the 10 X, his book was called like 10 X or something. And it was basically one of those like self-help motivational books that kind of gives you a little kick in the butt. But he talks about in that book, like success is like your right and it is your duty and and it's your responsibility you know so if if telling people about your music is going to help your music and it's going to help you succeed then according to this gentleman that's your right you know that's like that's your responsibility yeah yeah now whether whether sorry go go sorry oh i was gonna say whether or not it's considered as egotistical i feel like in that sense if you were telling people my music's better than any music that's ever been put out (laughs) on the face of the planet yeah you would just be skyrocketing off the spectrum there so well sure sure i i just you know i I was trying to i guess maybe close in a little more specifically on even the fact that that within a conversation just between you and i and now obviously you know people are going to hear this but um that we even had to preface this conversation with you know i i'm not trying to sound egotistical by like yeah. like we 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 had to filter that into this conversation so obviously there's some underlying thing of us even wanting to talk about ourselves we recognize that it could be for some reason taken that way and i'm kind of i'm like well why the fuck is that even why do we even have that built in in the first place? I know my parents didn't say, Hey, talking about yourself is a negative thing, but you know, like it, it was never taught to me, but I act that way. You know, we had to act that way in this. It's kind of seems socially ingrained. I'm, I don't know. I never really thought about it, but I'm just trying to kind of curious on what your take on that. Like, 
you obviously felt a need to have to preface that. So, you know, I, what is that? Like, why do our, why do we feel that compel, that compulsion for that? To not like to, <laughs> to feel, say that we're not. Well, yeah, to feel that. I mean, I guess I'm just recognizing that <laughs> the, the underlying thing that we're saying is, Hey, like to have to say, I'm, I'm like, I don't want to sound egotistical, but I feel like I, I'm successful at this. Right. Shouldn't, we shouldn't have to qualify that we're not trying to be egotistical. That's assuming, like, that's, that's assuming a built in thing. Like other people are going to look at us as being egotistical saying this. And, you know, I, I don't, I was never taught that. Like, what the fuck is, why do we feel like we're having to protect our, selves from saying we're good as if as if that's a negative thing you know what i mean like that's a hardcore question um because i because i i suffer from it it's maybe it's an imposter syndrome kind of thing or maybe back you know yeah sorry go on i'm a oh no i i i i I like the idea you were going with like imposter syndrome and stuff like that because I yeah I feel like I feel like even in the podcast that I do I feel like a phony I feel like a fake I feel like you know I, I hold myself back from really putting it out there. But do you, are you saying fake things? Like that's what I'm asking. Is your internal mechan- is your internal monologue matching reality? No idea. Yeah, because because I I feel like a phony if I want to tell someone I'm in a band, and then like it's almost like I'm internalizing their response, being like. Are you in a real band or are you in a band? Or like, yeah. or like, maybe I'm internalizing my thought of you know when I'm when I was young and learning what a band means. They're like rich, famous dudes on planes, and like I'm not that. So me calling myself a band doesn't match a model of what a band was to me when I was young. Or like, you know, I'm trying. I don't know. I, I'm just trying to map why we feel the need to kind of protect that label from a potential criticism and have to caveat our experience as being successful or liking what you do or being, you know, because it good. might maybe it might make our perceptions or our self doubt may seem more real to us. Mm. Self doubt is a big one everyone yeah. doubts uh you know especially new things and things like that um i got a lot of self-doubt you know but was it um yeah man i mean i'm <laughs> i've been doing this podcast for like four fucking years and i uh i still like i still doubt om- almost every episode i doubt if i should do another episode after it's over i in the middle of it like i love doing having conversations like this this is this is fucking great to me and then i'm done and i edit it and i post it and now i have five or six days till i record the next one and it's that time that like oh you know usually i play clips and i i you know in the day when this podcast first instantiated and me and Jason started it together, we, we lived together when we moved to Portland. We've been, me and Jason lived together for like 10 goddamn years, um, until they moved to Colorado. That's where he lives. Him and Jada live now. Um, 
but yeah, we lived together for, and we started this podcast when our band broke up and we're like, we wanted it to be everything that we wanted to kind of hear, you know, we're, we're funny guys. We wanted to make fake commercials. You, you were listening to podcasts at the time and they all had commercials for products and we're like, well, let's come up with fake fucking products and then make fake commercials for those fake fucking products and play them as skits on our show. You know, let's, let's, let's be funny. Genius. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we've made all of, and, and it, and I wanted to keep that going when he moved, you know, I was like, well, I want to keep the podcast going. So I'm going to go down to one guy and, and host it by myself and do solo episodes and start creating my own brand of content. So I, you know, I, I, I uh, made my own kind of fake commercials and um, things like that. And it's just, it's work. It, 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 it is work. And, right. and, you know, prepping things I want to think about and talk about, especially if you're going to do a solo episode, you know, is you, you, I, I at least try to storyboard that, you know, make bullet points on a notepad and be like, Hey, I want to talk about these three things. I'll have thoughts on, on a subject all day long and just kind of, you know, talk it. And then I'll let it free f- flow when I get in there and just rattle off the top of my head, my thoughts. But I've been thinking about it all day for days. I've been running over this kind of sequence of thoughts, you know, um, and that's fucking work and it's just daunting and, and I feel like a phony every time I put it out and I hope for more thumbs up on a fucking Facebook page that liked my, that, that I'm still putting episodes out and, you know, I can monitor every download I get and, uh, you're like, well, what the fuck? It, it, it wasn't that much this week or, you know, it's self-doubt. You're right. It is. It's entirely self-doubt. And then you have to overcome that self-doubt with the the want to like what you're doing. Yeah. You know, and, and you had even said that on your first one back, like, hey, I, I, I loved it, dude. I was listening to, to – uh, uh, I saw that you posted that, you know, back whenever it was, last year. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> you go, you know, I could sit here – and tell a story about how I was really busy or I had all these things going on. And that's just not true, guys. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> like, I heard that. I heard you say that. And I was like, yes, Joe. Like, <laughs> my man. Cause, cause I've did it, dude. I've taken so many fucking hiatuses on this show four months off at a time, five months off at a time. I never, I, and when I do it, I drop it like a, a fucking, I drop it and I just don't touch it. And I, 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 I let myself go, oh, no, that's just over there for a while. Like, yep. I'm just, I, I'm not going to just like barely put it down and still think about it. I'm fucking dropping it. Like a 50 pound sandbag. Dude, I tell you. And I'm not going to plan on picking that fucker up again. And uh, <laughs> I've had, you could go back through all my episode lists. There's at least four or five. And we're back episodes of us coming in and doing exactly that oh yeah we got busy oh they had this going on with the bands and telling a story and it's only for me and or or me and jason or whatever i'm only telling myself that story that i was busy too busy to do the podcast when i didn't really fucking want to yeah i mean (laughs) I, i yeah like it's like back at the beginning of this this uh i guess this episode you could say where it was like we get asked those why questions does anyone ask you 
now like why you want to do it and it, and if not why where you want to take it yeah. or where you see it as well as how are you going to get there right right um yeah it's it's funny uh it wasn't until my very last break uh and i had a buddy of mine reach out and go uh in fact it was jake blanchard uh nice did reach out um and it was before we did the episode together i hadn't done one in a while um and he reached out and goes hey man i uh you know i just thought i was thinking about you cold call right out of the way i look jake cold calls it's fucking great dude there's no like, like a telephone call yeah yeah like it was what just a, what a businessman <laughs> dude i know i know it wasn't a text or nothing i just i'll, I'll be sitting there and bring and a fucking just Jake Blanchard calling out of nowhere. Won't talk for months and he'll just fucking call me. I was thinking about you. Um, and he did that and he goes, you know, I just want to make sure everything's all right. It's, I haven't seen you post an episode for, for quite a while. And, uh, you should keep making them. And I was like, huh? Like, well, fuck, I guess I, I should, you know, he even said, you don't have a reason not to. Well, yeah, you're fucking right. Like, <laughs> you're right. I don't actually have a reason not to. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just taking it now. Like, I'm being less strict with myself. I, I can't. I'm, I'm an inherent rule breaker. I think you're the same way. I, I, oh yeah. I, I, I am. <laughs> I still find ways to, dude. I, I am, I am a rule breaking son of a bitch. I will, I, I will just, you know. I find pleasure in the small things. You know, if I can cheat a little bit in driving my car and like, oh, make it through a little bit like a yellow light or, or like, I, I don't cut through a parking lot sometimes instead of sitting there at the light or like do any little fucking me mechanism internally just to make me feel satisfied that oh, I got, I got one over on some fucking system that is there for a purposeless fucking reason. Uh, it, it feels good. Hack the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Hack little life hacks. Right. Right. And yeah, it's, yeah, I, I think if I set myself up to too rigid of a expectation for this show or anything I do, I will avoid it like the plague for not wanting to disappoint myself in not meeting my own expectations. You know, that's tough. Well, it's not tough. Well, I guess everyone has their everyone has their ebbs and flows in their creative process. Yeah, like some people create art out of spite or anger or sadness, you know. Because in, in the long run of or the grand scheme, like this is just an art form. It um, is, yeah. No, you know, right, and and I guess finding out. Finding out your art form, you know, that why or whatever, but um, also just knowing what works yeah. um, for you personally. Yeah. You're like, I know that if I, for example, like, you know, if you, if you feel like I think about this too much and it makes me not want to do it, then don't think about it. Right. Well, let you me, know, let me nail it down. Let, let me nail it down for you then. Uh, why did you restart? What, what is your Why? My the reason I restarted my why um um 
I missed it. I missed, um, I missed putting out an episode. I missed like I do. I I'm a, not necessarily a savvy person when it comes to social media, but I like a little bit of the grind. Yeah. You know, yeah they yeah. say, they say like, Oh, the hustle culture or whatever. And if I lived by the bro hustle culture, I'd be doing totally different things, but I like doing thing, you know, creating something out of nothing uh, putting things out there and and what really what really fills up my heart with joy is when like my coworker Jeff comes up to me and he goes, "Hey man, I listened to your new episode. Fucking good job, dude. Love the episode." Like and like stuff like that when people reach out and be like, "I really like what you're doing." Yeah. It's like, "Really?" because I have so much doubt about what I'm doing. And so getting that reassurance one and like, I get it from Jake Blanchard, man. He'll just, he'll just sit there and he'll like a little Instagram post. I'm like, way to go, Jake. Do you know? And that little, that that little solid supporter of of people, man, that little like from Jake, like that's that little firefly to add to my jar. And, and you know, that comment from a coworker and then standing outside of a music venue and, and a, a group of people show up in their car and they're listening to my podcast. It's like, it's adding fuel to the fire yeah because it's like it's weird because it's like well who wants to sit here and listen about mental health you know half the time i'm just talking yeah i'm talking about this or that or the other thing but it's like it's it's creating it's like the community-minded aspect of the thing yeah it's got to exist man that's one thing that i was like i was like why i don't want to let I don't want there not to be a platform or a community for people to feel like they can either listen or reach out in one way or another and feel completely unrestrained in a, in a sense, you know, yeah. I was listening to your episode and I like, I liked the, I told you I was listening to that, the, just the last one that you did. And I was like, man, this guy puts out long episodes Yeah. and what's good about them is, you know, you can stop it and come back or whatever. but the the topic of that episode i was like aaron seems like a guy who could get into conversations with people about hardcore gnarly things mm-hmm. you know and like reach out to people and be like yo so tell me the story about the time you took a high dive off of a 175 foot cliff and what led up to that you know yeah, and almost yeah. like have like this crazy community of like very very interesting people yeah i i uh the human experience is utterly fascinating for me man um i'm uh i'm i'm an incredibly uh by by no choice of my own um i'm a frustratingly rational person i'm i'm like it's it is really hard for, in unless i'm <laughs> unless i tell myself um like this is a time for jokes uh i i want everything to be clear i i i don't like uh i don't like muddy i don't deal well with abstractions about reality i don't deal well with like i i don't know i it's 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 really hard for me to 
to to put into to, to true form. Um, I'm I'm just like really empirical. I'm I'm I, I don't I don't know. I, I I want to understand the 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 actual fundamental truth about what reality about what is going on. I don't need abstractions. I don't need stories and fables and 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 things told to soften the blow of of what happened you know because right. then you don't understand what happened uh, and, and it could be about anything you know I'm, I'm i'm a mechanic i work on cars that's that's that is my job and and it's you 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 tighten stuff nuts or sizes you things bolt together you, they have a specific torque you achieve that level of tightness it, it, there's there's specificity and truth about the environment and yeah. you know and that that's fundamental at the level of how our brains work you know it, it is as simple as iodine molecules and potassium molecules were cro- were passed across a synapse and you can measure the amount of potassium exchange between neurons like you can these are quantifiable things and they can create different outcomes but they are quantifiable in in knowledge and um human experience is identical to that type of knowledge for me there is a truth a, a specific thing about someone's experience that is entirely fascinating um and real it it's it's more real like <sighs> God, how do I how do I explain it? It's like th- th- there's a level of truth to it uh, that you don't. That's I don't know. It's unfiltered. It, it, it's like yeah. It's and I, when I say filter, I mean literally like an Instagram filter with ears on it and fucking goggles on it or fake freckles on your face or your eyes are a little bigger and they glow or like any of those things to just make humans a little less real and there are varying degrees of a filter you can swipe from that really fucks your face up to is there a change on that like it just put blush on your cheeks that's all you wanted this filter to you know and i think that there is a tendency for humans to want to do that with uh, uh, their lives yeah Oh, it's the exaggeration of, of, uh, it's like the glamorizing, like, yeah, I'm a real estate agent and I'm going to make this look like the best thing there ever is when reality, you're just in a series of contracts and showing houses. Yeah. 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 And, but and I have, to, I have to go frivolous or, you know, like I, uh, I buy freaking cryptocurrency and are all these things and it's like yeah quit putting a filter on it like it is what it is and yeah. i want to know why i want you want to know why it is what it is well yeah yeah it, it's i i don't need to have a feeling about the glamour of it or 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 put a a kind of societal currency value on the that aspect of of it doesn't hold a currency to me it's just it is it is a fact and uh the 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 awesomeness of reality isn't about the trend of the thing happening it's 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 actually the fact that these things are happening and we are there to experience them happening like that is literally the coolest part about life is that our brains work in a way that we get to interact with reality the way we do like 
it's only tangible. I mean, goddamn, dude, I can play with a fucking slinky. Right. Because of the way my brain works and my eyes work and my fingers are talking to my brain. It's only because of that that I can play with a fucking slinky, that a slinky exists. And that's fucking rad. Like, that's rad. Let's talk about that shit. Right now? (laughs) 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 Yes, Joe, let's go into the deepities of how cool slinkies are right now. We're two hours in and this fucker just getting started. No, um, no, no. I mean, I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's what you're doing with your podcast. I think that you should feel real good about it. I think that you are. The, the beauty of, of especially the last few episodes you put out, um, all, all of what you've done, but the, the kind of realness that you're, you're doing it in now is, um, I, th- I think you took that filter off, man. Uh, and, and in the, br- in the break or from the beginning? In the break. Yeah. Yeah. I had to, a lot, a lot happened in a couple of months. Yeah. Just life and, and and figuring out what I want to do personally and relationships and work and reading and and finishing projects and just maybe not even feeling like I had such a fog brain going on at the yeah. time yeah. and just um sitting down and and thinking you yeah. know I I would imagine if I was in the times of stoics and stuff like that I would have been that old guy it's like oh that's old joe he just thinks all the time mhm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, uh, Diogenes was an old, um, uh, uh, a sto- a philosopher, not really a Stoic, but a philosopher in the time of, uh, Plato. I'm, I'm pretty sure Plato or Aristotle. Maybe it was Aristotle. Um, yeah, because that would have also been, I don't know. I, I'm getting my dates mixed up. Anyway, there was a Diogenes was a, uh, a philosopher of of some fame and his fame is that he uh gave up all possessions and he he was known for just living in the streets uh living with dogs um like like literally that's where he would he would come from and, and um there was the, there was a story that Alex Prince or Prince Alexander King Alexander the Great that dude um, right. had heard about this Diogenes, this famed philosopher Diogenes, who had got schooling and worked under Aristotle or Plato or whoever that was at that time. Um, uh, and just lived in the fuck in the streets as just kind of a, a vagabond guy. Um, and Alexander the great comes to meet him and says, uh, Oh, I'm gonna fuck this up. Where's the quote? Was this an ego? Uh, it may have been the story of because this sounds really familiar. Yeah, he. If I if I'm remembering correctly, basically he goes, "Hey, come like, come serve under me." Uh, Alexander the Great, like you know, I can give you anything, and it was basically like, uh, I I don't have the. The mental faculties to remember the hold on Diogenes. This is makes great podcasting. I'm down. I'm chilling. 
Rick came to say hi. Yeah, Diogenes, he was a controversial figure. Where's the story of Diogenes? Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, okay, yeah, this, okay, here's the story. So, Alexander the Great stood over Diogenes. Uh, oh, come on, load. Where does it say? Oh, man. God. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, Alexander the Great stood over the philosopher and said, I am Alexander the Great King. To which Diogenes responded, I am Diogenes the dog. Alexander asked what he had done to be called a dog. He goes, I fawn on those who give me anything. I yelp at those who refuse, and I set my teeth in rascals. Rascals. <laughs> in the famous exchange, yeah, but he, uh, when Di I guess it's reported that when Alexander the Great walked up to Diogenes laying in the streets with the dogs before this, um, Alexander asked Diogenes whether there was anything he could do for him. You know, is there anything I can do for you? And he goes, step aside and stop blocking the sun. Oh, yeah. That was the great line. That, I remember that was in. I've read that and like yeah, I, it's been quoted then, quite a few times. It's it is. Uh, I think about Diogenes that a lot. Just I know. remember reading that and being like, "This guy out here telling this dude, you're blocking my heat, man." Yeah, get out of the fucking sun. I'm I'm laying in the street here. What what are you doing standing over me, King Al right. Alexander the Great? What are you? Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. That's the approach, man. That's that's the realness. That's the whether that story is actually true, you know, whether whether it is as fabled or not just a conglomeration of stories told, you know. I like to think about it. There's there's a there is a, a lesson to be learned in it. This has been I a agree. fun conversation, man. Sorry, what? This is I said this has been a fun conversation, man. Yeah, thanks for – I mean, I don't know if you're wrapping it up, but um, I've enjoyed it. I've never done uh, long-distance um, – Podcasting? Podcast, yeah. Or like a very – not even like a Zoom. Like I never got to work from – like you know what I mean? Like yeah. this, is so, this is such a new experience and I've really enjoyed uh, – I've really enjoyed it. I've really liked the concept of it and almost like the – the free nature of it because like yeah we we probably didn't talk much growing up just a no, head man. nod here and there maybe yeah. or something like that and well, how te technology is allowed yeah yeah it's great to connect i've uh you know i've i've had conversations with people i probably never would have ever had if it wasn't for this device right here uh that that don't you know i just they i live in portland they don't and so how the fuck would this have ever happened? I mean, how the fuck would you and I have ever talked about this shit if if this wasn't the possibility? And it's valuable. There's someone out there who's going to hear some portion of this and like it. Uh, it may help them. Uh, it's positivity that is just out in the ether now that anyone can find. Like, anyone can stumble on this ever. I have listens 
in multiple countries around the world. And yes, I am fucking bragging. That's huge. I only have like That's 30, awesome. I only have like 35 people that listen, but some of them are not in the US. So thank you for coming back. You know, it's, it's, it's really cool. Australia's fucking, there's like four people who live in Australia that listen to this shit. I don't know who they are, uh, but they fucking listen. Shout out Australia. Yeah. Shout out you guys. Shout uh, out Australia. You know, and, uh, just keep coming back. Keep listening. You, Joe, keep doing your shit, man. I, 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 you are a force of good. You're a force of positivity. Um, I think your, your approach and your evolution of being a voice out there is, is a good thing that you're doing. I, I, uh, that's, that's why I wanted you on. I want to, you know, share the wealth as it, as it is and, um, helping each other out is like the first step in being successful and then once we're successful and we're helping each other out and we're helping other people out um we feel good about it and as a true stoic i just want to feel good at the end of the day feels good to feel good it yeah it really does man you know and and i don't think there's anything quite wrong with that at least it doesn't feel like it I don't know. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, you know, I'm I don't know what what, you know, in in transparency and everything, you know, you're going to release this too or you'll get the audio of it and do what you want with it. Um Yeah, man, this is like our show. You know, it's not my show really. I'm just part of this journey through time and stuff. I don't know. We could also make music sometime, man. I can yeah record well, bass want, lines. You want drums? I'll send you. <laughs> I can send you drums, and then you send me a bass, and then we'll smash them, and then I'll find a keyboard. We'll just do like a. I've always wanted to do a project of musicians who lived in different parts of the country. Yeah, you know, you got a drummer over there and a bass player over there, and but then they all come together. It's been done. Yeah, but I want to do it. Yeah. I want to do it. I think it'd be fun. No, no, I can tell you what hasn't been done is us doing it. Exactly. So there's that right there. Yeah, I, I've been uh, fumbling around trying to do a little bit of my own electronic music producing beats oh. and stuff like that. Um, I can even send you a couple samples of some kind of cool shit I've made. Uh, you can hear what I've done. We'll talk after this. Hold, actually, wait, will you pause? I'm going to go piss real fast. Hold on. I'll be right back, okay. dude. Yeah, I had fucking a pot and a half of coffee today. Fuck. So I had about 30 seconds to think about things, and I realized that for the most part, you've been asking me all the questions. <laughs> okay. And you said, this is my podcast, too, so I want to ask some questions. Ask me. Ask away, dude. We're when did you move out of Alaska? 2012 or 2013. And you moved with it was you and Jason? Uh yeah, so our whole band. So I was in a band called Fighting Silence. Uh we were we were going up to Anchorage a little regularly right before we moved, playing up there a few places uh in 2012-2013. Um Yeah, we we formed in like 2011, me, Jason, uh, my buddy Elias and my buddy Nick. Um, and we just decided we should move down here. So I was like, yeah, it was fall of 2013. 
And nice. me and Jason moved down here. Uh, me and Beth, my girlfriend, and then Jason and his wife, Jada, the four of us moved down here together, uh, got a house together. Um, and then that was in like October of 2013. And by March of 2014, the other two members of the band were down here as well. Um, and then we just started rocking and rolling, man, shipped all our gear down here. Uh, got close to winning a couple battle of the bands. Nice. Went to Warp Tour, or got tickets to Warp Tour from getting second place. Had almost had the opportunity to play in Warp Tour. Opened for Chimera. Um, yeah. Did, you know, when they were, it was actually on the Artery Tour uh, in 2015 when we opened for them. And um, they, that was like, they they broke up like the end of that tour. It was the last tour they were on. We opened for them. It was them, a legion, um, God, Chimera, a legion. I don't remember who the other bands were on that tour. That was a long time ago. God damn. And and so when you moved to Oregon, did you have did you like prospect a a, a job to? Like before you had moved, did you come no, down? No, just came down here and figured it out. Yeah, well, or I, came down, came down there. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a mechanic, and so I knew I could basically get a fucking job anywhere. I'm went to school for. I've been doing it a long time, and so I just shipped all my tools down. I was a mechanic in Alaska before I left, and yeah, uh, just shipped all my tools down. And I said, I'm a mechanic who's real good. There's got to be a shop somewhere in Portland that needs a mechanic who has all their own tools already, and uh, it. Yeah, I I spent we we spent probably like the first week or two down here. Uh, my sister lives down here, so um, we stayed with her for a little bit um, until we got the house, like two and a half weeks, three weeks, something like that. Um, and right about the we, I spent like two weeks down here before I started actually looking for a job. Right. Um, and it was like four or five days of just putting application before I had to call back, going we yeah, we need a mechanic. So it was it was luckily pretty easy. Um, and then Jason, he worked at Walmart in Alaska. And so he transferred from Walmart to Walmart. So he had a job right when he got here, like immediately. I mean, it was within the same pay cycle, you know, just all through the company. So he didn't even miss a paycheck, man. I mean, uh, yeah. they got here on like the 19th of October and his first day was the 21st of October. I mean, Woo! you know, so they got off the plane and pff, hit the ground running and hit the ground running. So you got the mechanic and the band. Or the yeah. job, mechanic job, the band, the podcast. So the, pod, the podcast happened in 2017. So Fighting Silence went through a couple renditions. Uh, our guitar player left, um, moved back to Alaska. We got another guitar player actually from Alaska uh, who moved down. Um, and we kept Fighting Silence going with all the same old songs, but... Uh, a new guitar player and then in jamming with him um, I realized that like I'm, I'm a prog guy I love prog music um, and he was a bit more progressively tendenced as ten, you know had tendencies as well um, and uh, our drummer who who's fucking awesome and he's actually the drummer for Noise Brigade now um, which is a sweet punk band from down here um, I've heard I've heard yeah um you know he he's not into prog man he's a, he's a punk hardcore guy you know right. and and it's just it's he's fucking amazing it's just he didn't want to play time signature changes and 
and go crazy and do 10 minute long songs. You know, that's not his fucking bag. So, um, as a band, we're like, well, you know, we really kind of want to write this kind of music now that we have a guitar player who really wants to write it and head that direction. And so, uh, we just had a talk as a band, you know, and, and our drummer had already been doing noise brigade while we were looking for another guitar player for fighting silence. So he was already drumming for another band. We're like, Hey man, you do that full time. We're, we have another drummer, you know, we're going to go this direction. Uh, and that worked for a while. And, um, and then the band just fizzled out that way too, man. And so me and Jason were still living together. We're left with a bunch of gear and no band to play in, and that's how the podcast started, with no, nothing else to do but just us two sitting in a room and being best friends and, you know, feeling like we had output to put out that was more than what we were doing. I talk a lot, man. I'm sorry. So so you've been – no, I'm thinking – so you've done the podcast for about four – Yeah, we, we literally started on – December 31st of 2017, like 2018, right when it started New Year's. Yeah. So you've been doing it for about four years off and on yep. um, with Jason and then solo and then now with like a, a rotating guest. Yeah. Uh, we always guest we always had like guests. We it, it was just me yeah. and Jason co-hosting it together. But yeah, we always had did guests, and but mostly music-based. M- music-based podcast? Yeah. Talking about... Uh, talking with musicians about music, what we like. We play vinyl records on the show. Um, like live here, I'll spin them on our fucking thing. And, you know, guests will come over with their vinyls of bands they love or stuff. And we'll play a couple songs and just like, we want it to feel like a real cool hangout. Um, you know, that was all pre pandemic, of course. Um, right. But yeah. So what does the journey look like outside of the, of the podcast, you know, like other than, music with the band that you're in now i can't remember the name earth to ashes earth to ashes yeah i knew it there was earth in there and then work in a podcast like what's the and, and you don't have to you don't have to get into like your personal life or anything oh like yeah that, i'd love to like what's like the what's like the drive outside of those things like what's what's like what's like the uns i don't know the the quest you know if you will because like we're like other than like my podcast my music my job I've just been, you know, and, and of course, like family or girlfriends yeah, yeah. And, and friends and things like that. But like I've been doing the reading thing. I thought about starting a reading blog or something like that. What's kind of like your, hmm. is it like also reading or is it, you well, know, is it just yeah. a quest for dude, knowledge I, and things like yeah, that? Dude, yeah. Um, I am. Um, yeah. So um, thank you for asking. Um, outside of this, man, I um I play disc golf quite avidly. Uh, that's kind of my exercise, my get out of the house, hang out with buds, do something that's kind of physical related. Um, feels real good to get out there and just whip some plastic and, you know, get really get aggression out, man. It's a, it's big, ex, quick exertions of energy. It feels like punching somebody sometimes, you know, just okay. like throwing discs really hard. Um, it, the same level of excitement of like, I don't know. It's just disc golf cool. But I, I play disc golf, man. I um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm constantly reading. I'm constantly trying to learn stuff. Um, yeah. I listen to. I'm an, I'm an audiophile in general. I listen to a lot of music. I consume new music a lot. 
Um, I build models. I love working with my hands. So apart from being a mechanic, I, I build models. I paint, uh, actual like brush on canvas painting. Oh, nice. uh, I do woodworking. Um, I, I, I really just am really busy. Um, yeah, I play a, like you I, got I, hobbies. a lot, dude, a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, music production in general. I play a lot of video games still. Um, I, I'm a, yes. I'm a husbander of snakes. I raise snakes, oh. not raise. I just I grow them. I got two ball pythons right here. What? <laughs> what? Oh wow, that's wild. How did you get into that? Uh, my niece, um. My niece got them from some guy. I don't know how. Um, this was a couple Those- of years ago, right at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, sh- he was like in a bad way and he had a dog and these snakes and uh, he could no longer take care of himself or them. And so um, she kind of like took them because they needed a home, but she didn't really want snakes. And so they got passed around. They went from her house to my sister's house. Um, and then I wanted them. I've always kind of wanted snakes, had a fascination with snakes. I thought, you know, I've never owned them really, but I thought they were just cool as fuck. Held them a couple times. Uh, remember Sam Whidden? Yes. He's down in Hawaii. Yeah. 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 He, uh, back in the day we used to hang out all the time, smoke a lot of pot together and, um, yeah. and, uh, he had, uh, one ball Python and he lived in a big, fucking tank in the corner of his house and it was cool and i remember holding it and like you know like this fucking this is really cool um and just kind of got fascinated and so i had the opportunity to take them um and they were super like underfed and under they were i mean basically abused dude like they were they were just really not taken care of um no one who had had them and i understand like like they got them two snakes in one tank they're solitary snakes they should never live together they have fight for dominance stuff and they can stunt each other's growth and like it's really bad on their psychology for two snakes to live together in the same tank um uh and so they they had like real weird dominance one i've had them now for two years and one stake is still like twitchy and stuff because like he just he was super stunted and they didn't have good humidity taken care of like on them so they had like multiple sheds stuck on them like they had shed under them the layers of skin and they just like they were crusty and brittly and like it looked like it hurt to move and um so yeah i got them kind of as a rehab and also they're fascinating and now i'm just i love them like they're fucking cool snakes are rad dude yeah that's hardcore rehabbing uh an animal you see that a lot people rehabbing animals but they've grown Uh-oh. they've grown almost i mean Dude, it's in the, the fucking. They they are so big now compared. When I got them, they were, and they're they were multiple years old. So like, like when I got them, they're both living in the same thing. They were already supposed to be two years old when I got them, and they were the size of four to six month old snakes. Because they lived together and they stunted. And I don't think they were ever. They 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 couldn't shed properly. Um. Like it, it is amazing they were alive. Like right. it, it's, it's amazing that they didn't die from malnutrition, mal shedding. They weren't getting enough moisture 
on their scales like are those two the only two that you have yeah 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 so okay yeah i I, uh they're a lot of work just as it is man um just the two mm -hmm. keeping their tanks clean feeding them keeping their humidity up there it's it's a i mean i have to constantly check them and keep their temperature regulated and know about their day and night cycles and it's work man to to make them have like the the prime living environment you know yeah. living the life i would want to live if i was a i mean so you probably did you dive into uh, a book or the internet or all of it dude like, all books, yeah. the books internets uh forums uh getting in like in into groups of husbanders people who just fucking raise yeah. snakes and like rep dude there's just it's it's an amazingly large culture of snake people out there dude and and people is that just men who own snakes or no 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 any husbandry is the practice of caring and raising snakes it's called huh? husbandry it's non-gendered it's just it's just like 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 someone is you know you you study plants you do horticulture it is this, right. it's the same thing it's just it's called husbandry i've never heard that me neither dude and now and i i love saying it now it's like that word that i can say and make people go you're a what a husbander you raise husbands yeah no you know like it's cool yeah i do that um man I, it's funny how you phrase the question like what is what is the underlying cuz you didn't ask what hobbies i have you you how did you say it? you said what is what is the drive or what what is the the aim like the quest you yeah know? or like so, you know like your your separate journeys away from I'll, I'll tell you i'll tell you my and it's ever evolving but but really my quest is uh uh to to experience as much happiness as possible with as little want and so i i i, I want to I want to spend more time enjoying what I have than striving for something to enjoy. And, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a shift from the way I used to think I used to work to want. Now, I, now I, I work to not, um, but I, I don't, I don't want to be rich necessarily. I don't want to, you know, I, I just, I want to be happy. Um, yeah. and, and by, and quantify my happiness with, not a need for things to ex- externally validate my happiness. Like I need to be able to be happy um, with exactly what I have or less. Like I need to be okay with being happy if it all went away, you know, yeah. and, and, and what am I left with? Like that needs to be able to make me happy. And so uh, I do a lot of work on my own kind of awareness and medit- I meditate and, I was just gonna ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I do. I, I spend a lot of I spend a lot of my time inside my head, doing these conversations, um, constantly self-checking my reasoning. Um, something else too that you know you had heard about on the last thing is by by realizing I was an atheist and um, listening to a lot of content about conversations about religion and belief. Um, reading about philosophy, reading about uh, understanding the the rules, the laws of logic, fundamental logical fallacies, informal logical fallacies, being able to identify 
where my dissonance is, where my, um, you know, how, how I can, you know, how the brain can fool itself, where, where things, you know, just understanding the brain being a, like that has opened my eyes in a forceful, rude way to, um, how little of my brain I can trust on things like you, I can't really trust my brain a lot on most of the reality that I'm experiencing is patchwork filling in all the subroutine that it's constantly running without me knowing it is. And like the glimpses of environment coming in and the way my optical nerves have to process imagery lets me know that what I'm seeing is only what my brain tells me my eyes see. It's not actually what I'm fucking seeing. Um, it, it, it's, 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 it's fucked with me, Joe. It, uh, it's, it's forced me to reevaluate kind of how I thought the world worked. And in that, what actually is worth paying attention to what's worth focusing on what's, what is actually what, what, what being happy actually is like, it's, it's, you hear people say it all the time, but it's that why question. It's what we started the whole thing with. Like, like, why does something make you happy? You know, a thing, podcasting, it, video games, wh what is it fulfilling that the outcome is happiness? Yeah, it's, uh, it seems like. It seems like it's a self-awareness thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, you, like you're on a. Extreme. We, self it, yeah. Like extreme. Like I feel like I'm just peeling off the layers of my self-awareness onion. And you're like, look how I've got the state fair's largest onion right here. Oh, it's. You know, it's, you know, and, and, and hearing you say that, I'm like, oh man, like, uh, you know, one, it, it feels inclusive because it doesn't feel like I'm the only person. And I'm sure that there are multiple oh, people yeah uh, everyone is it, at a different spot in this journey i think everyone is on it at some f point or another yeah and and maybe and i i sometimes i wonder is it is it uh is it our age group right now you know is it or are does it do do younger people go through it or is it an age thing is it a time thing and um, yeah i th i think it's time um i I think that there is – man, our brain still is growing until we're 25. Yeah. You know? So to think that – to think that a brain prior to 25 um, – unless it's forced upon you to care about earlier, I don't think it's going to care about it. I, yeah. you know, I, I, and, and it's also all working in contrast to the beliefs you were taught prior to your brain forming to, 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 to developing your own, um, sense of ego, sense of who you are, you know, I mean, real ego development happens at 12 to 14 puberty, you know, that's, yeah. that's when, that's when the, not when your ego develops, when your ego is hurt and, and you realize what what it is and what you want to avoid because of the pain of your ego being bruised like like that is the rude awakening of of kids um boys a little more than girls i think at the age um i think we're I, I, maybe not maybe i'm just 
being overly kind of generalizing in that. I think it's probably just a, comp- it's different. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, where am I going? What was I saying? Why did I bring that up? Oh, just the self-awareness journey oh, of, of oh. when, when we, when we get into this, uh, section of our uh, lives. Yeah, dude, it's, it's here. It is an undervalued part of life, um, that, that, un, that, that no one wants to talk about. And it's the ugliness of identity and, and, It's it's the ugliness of not being told that we are not equivalent to the actions we take. We are not equivalent to the 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 image that you see when you look at me through that camera. You are not looking at my identity. You are not the thing that you see because in the external world I worry about what you see. I am me and I equivocate People tend to equivocate themselves with the external presence of themselves. They, right. they, they aren't aware that they are not that. And then you worry about what you see. And then I put my thoughts into you because my ego is not wanting to be hurt by you. Um, and so I have to kind of try to do this thing to match what my expectation of what you want my ego to be to present that way you know it's 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 dangerous it's 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 fucking tricky and um i was listening to sam harris who is a wonderful meditation teacher and philosopher um he also is i don't agree with him on everything he has some pretty um just you know he's he's a big brain thinker guy and and sometimes i feel like his intuitions are are not don't match my own but on this he is very right um it seems from my experience and it's where are you located he asked that question where are you located yeah i don't think he's talking about physical location no 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 he's saying where where is your identity located within what you consider you really ask that question is your is your identity your face yeah is are you your face are you when you are writing, when you are experiencing the passenger in your body, where are you? Are you in the middle of your head? Are you kind of where your eyes are? Are you at the back of your head? Are you down in your chest? Like everybody has a different sense of yeah. where they are, the passenger. Um, and then you just realize that you are a passenger inside of this fucking body and and your you is not as rigid as you thought you it should be you know you 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 assume that everybody else has this rigid ego of themselves and this this identity that they are and you think that they're rigid in their identity and you're this person who's not and there's something wrong with you cuz they are and it's just you putting your you know it on them man i don't know that's it's, really the wild because you asked that like where do you think you're located and you started talking about these locations and now I'm thinking about it and I'm gonna have to sit on that one for a while because dude, it's intense it's it's really intense yeah yeah um because it almost seems like it's also asking you the question of like how do you consider yourself defined as a person because some people that, define themselves by their career 
or their art or their music or, or what they can create or things like that. Yeah. And, and for some people it's, it's completely, yeah. And not, not even a tangible thing. Well, you know, the, the, or a physical thing. Correct. And that, and that is the, the great, um, paradigm the the great paradox not paradigm the great paradox in identity is if one were to put the ident the 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 reality of their identity equal to some external experience of them or other people that means that without those people they would not be them right so you are by essence like if I made if I made my identity equal to my face, and that means that my identity is what you see, because I can't see my own face. So if you weren't there to look at my face, am I the same person? Like that's it's it gets real, real tricky once you once you do the work to go, holy shit, what where am I located? What what how much of me am I allowing to be an external factor? And externally depicted about me, you know, the, the, the amount of judgment I let in about what I'm perceived to be the, what I wear, the car I drive or, or the house I live in or all that stuff. And those things exist. They are a fact of the world, but what I have no idea about is the thoughts that people have about them. And if I'm, and if I'm worried about the thoughts that they have about them, that means I worry about it. That means I'm tying part of me to the potential judgment about my car. Like, like that's insane. That means that, that means I would be a different person if I had a different car. And that makes no fucking sense. Like that, that can't be also saying that there is something that is you in fact. Right. Um, yeah, dude, it's, this is the work. This is what my brain does. This is the all day, every day I'm, I'm having this conversation in my head. Yeah. That's wild. How did, like, what, almost like what led up to discovering I was an atheist? Okay. Discovering that, that at least the way I can see it, I had been told a story about a potential reality where a God exists. Um, and the, the obviously, flawed reasoning that i was told and accepted it with um if any other word or idea was put in place instead of the word god that i wouldn't accept that claim if it was if it was the loch ness monster or um (laughs) yeti or chupacabra put in place of god and the exact same argument was presented to me. I wouldn't agree with it. Yet I was al- I was agreeing with this argument. Um, and <laughs> both things can't be true. So my brain wasn't reasoning correctly. So I had to go down a study of reason and how yeah. it works and how philosophy works and and it just learning it. It wasn't like I then. Oh, decided. Um, it was. It wasn't like I decided to no longer believe. It. It was just I could no. It, I reasoned my way out of it 
with no will of my own. I mean, you know, a, a, an, and it's true. And un, it's, they are all unfortunate byproducts of reason. Like I no longer now can think free will exists. Um, uh, my, my brain won't allow me to conceive things like spirits or souls or an afterlife or, or supernatural for ba- basically any reason. Like it's, it's just now a, a part of the way my brain works that I can't, I can't entertain it. I wish I could. I wish I could believe that there was magic, right? That that right. there that there was something more than nature, power, energy, k- karma, uh right. Any of that like my it just, you know, I don't think free will exists. I uh I don't believe that we have we I don't I don't believe we can choose what to believe. We are just forced, we are forced into belief by the facts of reality. Um, And the facts of reality include our brains and how they reason. So somebody can be convinced for wrong reasons. Right. That's, that's also because that's how reality works, you know? And it just, it, it, it was a fucking snowball, man. It just, it, it enveloped me. It enveloped my brain. Um, it, dude, it, it's it's deep. It's pretty deep. Um, and I talk I, a lot. Yeah, and that's fine. Because <laughs> I, I, when you're talking, I'm like, I'm thinking of, I'm like, okay, okay, and I'm processing and things like that. But I'm watching this video, and I'm like, he's kind of glitching out, but I can hear him just fine. So, oh, oh, am I getting a little glitchy? Um, there's a, yeah, it's a little, it's okay. not too bad, but okay. it's, it's really nothing to worry about, but I'm thinking here and I'm like, yeah, this whole concept of like reality and in our brains. And I remember hearing at one point, like someone saying to me, like your reality is in your head, like it's in your brain, you know, like the way you base the things on around you isn't not necessarily, you know, what you're seeing, but what you're perceiving in yeah. your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And I liked that. And I think that's a lot of what you are saying. Well, it's a brute fact of reality that there is a time delay between light entering our retinas and our yeah. brain getting that signal through the optic nerve. There is a time delay there. So everything that happens, we're in a car going 60 miles an hour down the road. And the reality is, is lane changes happen tenths of a second before you physically see it happening and then you're acting retroactively like your brain is almost saying hey (laughs) there's this thing that's going to be happening soon we should probably start thinking about reacting to this thing that that's potentially coming and then it comes and your brain yep yep there's the feedback loop and you act and it's all done retroactively and it's like every Everybody is in a constant three-second lag from reality happening, and we're all doing it, all of us at the same time. Fighter pilots flying 800 miles an hour, fucking, I mean, every single person's in delay, and we're behind reality, just trying to catch up to it at all times, and our brains are doing the best they can. Like, that's you get real freaked out spending a long time like <laughs> doing the uncomfortable dirty work of of actualizing the events of that like too true scale i mean well i was getting a little freaked out 
in the last two minutes that you were explaining all that, I started like, yeah, yeah. Is my TV like trying still, to hold on? You know, dude. I mean, I mean, it's it is no joke. Why? I mean, it, it it's perfect sense why so you someone can stand there, look at somebody, go to sit down in a chair, and they pull out the chair, and you miss the chair. It's because our brain is so slow to the offense of reality that you just don't like it can't catch you like it, it it's just i mean and that's that that is a a small extrapolation of a series of events that your brain is just behind man but it's yeah it's literally it's grabbing a cup of coffee it's watching your dog or your cat walk by it's <laughs> it's a, a you know sitting on a front porch drinking coffee and watching a hummingbird fly by and you cannot in any of that moment, be entirely sure that what you're seeing is the actual way it happened without you experiencing it. Like you, you can't know that that's the truth of that interaction. Like did the hummingbird actually fly that way? Did it actually fly as fast as my brain thought it flew? Right. Did it, did I miss it zigzag and it, my brain just filled in a straight line. It flew. And it, act- it at some point it just already happened. Yeah. And yeah. 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 <laughs> oh. And and we're expected to like, you know, participate in reality and vote and let people merge when they turn their turn signal on. And we've created yeah, this we created this insane existence that dude, our our brains are no more evolved than getting good with atlatls and slings and rocks and like primitive hunting and and only our our brains are not advanced like oh, we, we yeah. barely we are evolutionarily wise barely out of the stone age man it's been a second yeah yeah <laughs> i've i've read that it's like yeah and tech like in the great timeline of things it's been half a second dude yeah fucking blink 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 and then it's gone so i feel it man yeah it's it's trying I, well yeah like i feel like my my head just exploded all over this room i well um, I, can, I can see it <laughs> the, the shade is very nice now it really uh contracts with the color or it really complements the color that your eyes used to be thank you thank you you know before your head exploded um yes it's, yeah it's, it's trying to stay happy in spite of that man like like you yeah. trying trying to use that reality uh, as kind of a fuel for accepting what what is and uh, be nice to people, live a good life, not be mad, um, you know, spend as little time as possible angry at something. Yeah. Like, God, man, what a waste of energy! How like how many years I spent mad? I feel it. Uh, yep, I can, I can really relate to that. You know, um, even. It, it, fuck like how selfish to be mad you know i just think about like (laughs) minding my own business in a car and someone just goes faster than me in a lane next to me i wasn't in that lane it's not like they cut me off but they just and go by and i'm doing 50 in a 45 and they go they're doing 55 or 60 and i just you know that fucker look at him speed like i i instant i let attention go to that and it be negative and you know those ideas are pretty poisonous they they tend to uh be a snake become, in my boot yeah they become habitual yeah yeah 
Yeah, I just read this book, uh, Atomic Habits, about um, habit building and, and, and systems you can set up uh, positively or like inversely of setting up habits and things like that. And it's pretty wild how the mind will reward itself for either doing a good habit or most of the time our bad habits, how it finds a way to reward it. Yeah, and, I, yeah. And yeah, we seek out that reward. Habit training, though, it, it it has to go in Congress with some sort of meditation, I believe, because I, I think that you can't – it is very difficult to try and retrain you as a person to to act a way that is not in accordance with what you think your identity is, what, you, what your ego wants to be. Um, right. And so doing a meditation, doing ego-dissolving work, doing – stuff that that lets you really kind of shine a light on um what your ego wants your you to think you are breaking that down then allows you to actually form habits for a a system not decided by ego like right. it, it it allows you know our eager our ego will stop change to protect itself from hurt uh it will do that Right. I bet you that's in a totally different, I've got multiple books on habits and things like that. And yeah, it's definitely a conditioning thing. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'm a, I'm a, I'm fading out here. No, yeah, let's um, go though. I, I know, man, it, it is incredibly tough to talk for three hours. I, I, I'm kind of seasoned at it. I've done it for years now. Um, my brain, but, but I, I understand. No, this is, this is a lot. I, it's hard to think that we did just spend three hours talking. Um, but thank you, Joe, for being on here, man. We will. Hey man, no problem. We will, uh, never do this again. No, <laughs> that was, okay. That. I mean, Hey, if you don't want to, that's fine. I feel like, uh, over time, maybe I'll get better at it, but um, yeah, it was. That's, a, why, it was that, that's why I was asking you, like, hey, what are we doing exactly? Because I'm a big planner kind of guy, and so mm-hmm. when I got a little bit of a direction to go, otherwise, I'm no, just like, um, so I'm strapped in. <laughs> th- that is, that is one of the other wonderful things I've I've di- I discovered about doing this and having people on. Um, is most people <laughs> never talk like this ever um and most people are planners and so i love starting out in in a slightly making the guest be in a slightly disadvantaged position of uncomfort discomfort um that way as 20 minutes in when you're no longer uncomfortable because you find out this is really easy that this wave tends to wash over people and i can see it on their face like they start and they're a little tense and they drop their shoulders and they maybe change their position and they get comfortable and they start to, to, to respond with longer answers and maybe take over the conversation themselves for a little bit. Um, and then you find them going like you can see in their face, it starts to feel good. Uh, and then they don't believe that three hours went by (laughs) right about the time they're fading out. Um, 
Okay, well, hey, I'm just going to press a button real fast. I'm going to end this, Joe, and then uh, we will say our goodbyes off of this because I hate doing the actual hang-up on the podcast. So uh, for everybody, this has been A Journey Through Time and Stuff. My name is Aaron. This is Joe. Joe, say hi. Hello, hello. See, there you go. That's the hello. Um, You got it. Joe's so nice, he says hello twice. Um, Yeah, I want you all to be out there. Treat yourselves better. Treat yourselves nice. Um. It is tough to be human. It's was deceived to us that it, it's supposed to be easy and look easy by adults when we were kids. And we didn't realize they were walking around shitting their pants the whole time too. Um, they never let us know that. So it's not easy. It takes work. It, uh, and you just need to treat yourselves better out there. Um, and above all else, drive like you know each other.